wants to play video games. Greetings and welcome back, everybody. This <laughs> is the Grinding Gear Podcast. We're going to help you grind through the end of the week. You didn't heavy lifting. glaze over for a hot second and forget to intro the podcast. It wasn't me. It oh. definitely wasn't oh, you're, me. Oh, you were just enjoying the tune. It was you. Ah. It was you. Yes, yes, yes. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. Welcome. How you doing, Kyle? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing uh, I'm doing allergies today, so we're going to be doing great. Uh, oh, nice! Yeah, nice. give me a little ducket, a little uh, a little cough button, a little uh, here and there ah. for a sneeze. You know, I'll just let it flow, let it flow. Nice, nice. I'm I'm I want to preface this with I am not hungover, but I definitely drank more rum last <laughs> night than I normally would on a Wednesday evening. Excellent! It's going to be a top tier show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I. It is a it is a straight on off switch when I get hungover at this point in my life. Like it mm-hmm. is. I, there's no there's no in between. Like it is either I I want to put a nice pick in my head from the headache or I'm okay. But I'm definitely moving slow today. Oh yeah, you had an event slow. last night. You I did. Yeah, man, dude. What a freaking weird. I just I feel weird. I don't know how else to say it. I feel weird. Um, uh, there, it, you may. We have. I, I'm beside myself. How many newcomers? Like I would consider newcomers in the audience we have since we've started doing the YouTube thing. A lot of new faces and a lot of people that don't know where we came from or, or weren't around for it. Like uh, sure. you know, when we were covering Blizzard games, but. Um, my my first, I, I guess the simplest way to put this would be my first big break uh, was a Hearthstone podcast called The Angry Chicken, and uh, I had podcasts before that, but that was the first show that really blew up. It was the first show I ever had, like it, it was the first show I was ever on and a part of that was big enough that we attracted like proper real sponsors, worked with ad agencies, got to talk to developers from Blizzard Entertainment. We did get one on our StarCraft show, but oh boy, that was like pulling teeth. We I, we. We had like relationships with PR managers at Blizzard and stuff. It felt it started to feel really official at a certain point. Sure. Um, so Angry Chicken was a big deal for me, and I left it late last year, and it, and it, and it continued on with my my wonderful friends Jocelyn and uh, Ben, better known to a lot of people as a Ridiculous Hat. And I got the news a couple of weeks ago that they had decided that it was time to bring that show to a, to an end. Um, so on, on my end, my whole kind of response was, Oh, I just went through, I just went through this. I just went through the emotional <laughs> experience of, of personally saying goodbye to this, to the show that I was a part of for almost 10 years. Uh, I, I forget the exact wow. anniversary, but the, the show is only a few months short of its 10, 10th anniversary uh, of existence. And I was there for all of it, except for like the last four, five months. Wow. Six yeah. months. It's been, a, it's been a bit, I think it's been about half a year since I've been on it as a permanent host. Um, but, uh, yeah. So like, it it was it was odd, dude. I I guess like kind of what I went through was I, I think when I decided that I was going to leave the podcast, 
we were pretty just kind of focused on the logistics of it because I handled all the posting and hosting and all that stuff. So it was like, all right, well, we got to get you all access to this and we need to get you in touch with the, the sponsor agencies and we need to change like everything. There was a lot of dumb red tape we had to like uh, cut through and move over. So I, I think my personal exit wasn't relaxing or, or I didn't have time to look back at kind of the body of work. When I got the news that they were ending the show uh, and they wanted me to come on, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm a, I'm a do a thing. So I, I've spent, I've spent the last like, the, the last like week of evenings working on a goodbye video that's up over on the old A Move 2 channel. Uh, I tweeted it out last night. If you follow me on Twitter, you probably saw it. Um, but I went and got a bunch of messages from old friends of the show, old Hearthstone developers, um, and and I got a lot more than I bargained for. I cut a lot of stuff down and it ended up being an almost 10 minute video. <laughs> wow. Um, and during that, I, I went back and looked at 10 years worth of footage. I grabbed like every live show I could find that we did in person. And, and the first episode, I, I basically over the past week, Kyle, I've watched myself age 10 years <laughs> and, uh, frightening. Yeah. 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 There, there was definitely a moment when, when Jocelyn contacted me and was like, Hey, you should come on. We're going to be into the show. My first thought was, okay, cool. I, I'm happy to carry the burden of making sure we pay homage to how far the show has come because I've already said my goodbyes. I'm, mm. I'm fine. My heart is steeled to this. And, and then last night, like I, I, I got really melancholy about it. Like it was, it's a, like I'm 36. So it's just shy of a third of my life was that show. Yeah. So yeah, it was, uh, even though I wasn't on it for the, for, for a bit now, um, it, 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 it's, it means a lot to me. I mean, when we, when we started that show, you and I were still doing the Starcraft podcast and we transitioned to the heroes of the storm shortly after the Angry yeah, chicken started. After. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was, it was during a, a lot of change in my life. And I mean, 10 years ago, um, I mean, I, I wasn't married. You weren't with 10 years ago. Neither of us were married. Yeah. You didn't have kids yet. Uh, I did the whole house thing. Like there's been a lot of change in the last decade of my life. Sure. Yeah, so it's just, it's just been crazy. It's just been absolutely crazy. Um, so yeah, that's 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 how I'm I'm feeling like wistful this morning. <laughs> yeah, I, I can understand that. Yeah, I, I could fathom I could fathom the emotions of which you would be feeling at the moment. Yeah, that 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 first BlizzCon for y'all's Angry Chicken was insane to me. Right, like we were we were doing Starcast, but it was almost strictly a audio program. There was a video version, but like. My camera was always in a weird corner because, like, I was super nervous. Sometimes I'd wear a hat and, like, cover half my face. It was a very different time of uh, presentation and introvertness of which I was on display. Boy, don't and you so wish you we guys... found YouTube when we were younger with less wrinkles? Well, I mean, sort of. I kind of like, like my crow's feet. I think they're kind of badass. I kind of like the way I look now. Dude, I'm not going to lie. Like, and everyone, self-love. Self-love. Love yourself. You should love yourself. And if you notice something about yourself that makes you feel good, you should embrace it. Um, I think I look way better now than 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm much more into my, my, my thirties vibe than my twenties. Yes. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's yeah. Shout out to the angry chicken. If you haven't checked out the last episode, you should, uh, aired last night. It's still up over on, uh, Jocelyn's Twitch. So that's twitch.tv slash Joss plays. You can go see it right now if you want. And uh, uh, check out my, my Twitter feed, uh, Garrett Art, for the video I made. Uh, you might see some, if you're an uh, old school Hearthstone fan, 
Um, you, you know, go over there. You might see a little Ben Brode action. Might see, might see a nice. little, little something from Ben Brode. That was a good Brode. video. I saw that. I saw the video. It was really nice. It was uh, tender. Tender is what I call it. I, I do want everyone to know that when I when I bothered Ben Brode, I wrote, uh, "Hey man, hope you've been well releasing the uh, the best card game in the world for a second time." Um, that's what I fair <laughs> message. A I fair critique, yeah. Because I was thinking about it, I'm like, I haven't really talked to you much since since you left Hearthstone, and you literally did it. You did it again, you bastard! Like <laughs> Snap Dude, is extremely story. successful. His story is incredible. The pizza delivery man playing magic at Blizzard and then getting the job. Like, I just love, I, I could hear that story a thousand times and it just, ooh. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the dream, right? Like, he, yeah. it, it, and, and he f- also, like, his first stepping stone was he went from pizza delivery guy to working on the paper t- World of Warcraft TCG. Yeah. And then uh, got into Blizzard and got on this, like, little incubator team. Uh, which eventually became Team Five, which was the the team that made Hearthstone. Like it, it's just, it's wild. Those are the old Wild West days of Blizzard. Like they're just like swimming in Wow money and like Oof. let's just let's just be creative and also. Some, well, it is that Wild West, right? Like, and yeah. we're seeing the same thing with so many properties. You know, Dungeons and Dragons included. Like so many companies, there was. Uh, you know, our parents were very much the press the flesh, go for success, go to every door to door. You know, blah, blah, dress for the job you want kind of types. And that did exist, you know, 15 years ago. There was very much this, like, if you become an amazing community manager of your own community, maybe an amazing streamer, you could then get hired by the company. And there's there kind of this process going on now. Oh, uh, then, I should say. And now it's a lot more, like, ivory tower, insulated. Uh, it, it's, yeah, it's such it a depends. different environment. Like, I think it's it's different. It's Different, in, I think the circles you're in, or if you're looking at prospective companies, it varies from from business to business too. Like True. that's the kind of thing you're trying to do. I don't know. I I go back and forth on it constantly. Like there's uh you know, like the the creator economy and influencers, and part of me is like, ah, oh, it's just gross. But like I'm I'm a part of it. Like <laughs> I'm freaking, yeah. I'm in this shit. Like and to me, like I don't know. I grew up in a, a my my folks run their own business. My dad's, you know, they run an extermination company in in Florida. Like they they go try and keep bugs out of your house. But I grew up in a household where that's that's what they were doing. They were running their own business. They didn't have a boss. And I, in a weird way, I don't think my dad ever saw it coming. But I I, I think that did influence me to be like, I'm gonna go do my own thing it's weird as hell compared to like having a traditional business. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think, I think a lot of that influenced me. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I had, it was a different experience, but we ended up at the same place. My mom worked for corporations that constantly pulled her around, moved her. We moved a lot growing up. And eventually that company said, Hey, we don't need you after they just moved her again. Oh, so when, when I was growing up, it was very much like, a, that's it. I'm not doing any corporate work. I'm not working for a corporation. I'm going to start my own thing. And then, you know, COVID happens. The, we're dependent on corporations doing this show to run our shows. You know, like, here's the storm slowed down dramatically, which means my coaching, my casting, all my sort of side jobs that were based around Here's the Storm greatly uh, de-escalated in uh, production. Yeah, yeah. And I found myself beholden to a company again. Man, yeah, it's 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 wild to think about, and like I, I don't want to make it seem overly glamorous either, right? Like there's 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 stresses to both. Like if you want to go work for a company, like yeah, nothing's guaranteed, but I mean this is this is own stress. What I like about what we do is like yeah, it sucks when like you cover a game and it starts dying, but 
it's not like someone showed up one day and said, you're, you're, you're fired. Like you can't do this anymore. Right. It's like, we kept doing, here's the yeah. storm content for years after blizzard acts, the esports, and everyone, you know, assumed the game was like dead after that. And it had what three really freaking awesome years following the end of its esport. Like the game, I think the game got better personally. Cause I was like, I'm, I'm not going to be a pro player. I don't care about making the game better for pro players. I want to make it better for me at home. And I think they did. Like I, I really liked the way that the game went after after the esports were axed. So, there's to me, it's there's ups and downs. There's nothing's guaranteed. <laughs> so, you just what what flavor do you want? I like the flavor of feeling a little more in control. I like this flavor. I'm yeah. I'm down with this flavor. This is a good flavor. Yeah. It's hard work, but it's a good flavor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, we have, yeah. We we're having an offline conversation of like, dude. Do you feel like we're just like doing a lot right now? <laughs> Kyle and I had a meeting earlier this week. We were both, I think, I love the term sweaty. I think we were both feeling a little sweaty. Yeah. And we we're just like, boy, like, I wish we made a little, I would love an employee. <laughs> I would love someone that could just help us Some take management. care of the day-to-day tasks. But I, I don't think we're quite there yet. Perhaps an agent of some kind to schedule the things for us. Uh, you know, oh. I wouldn't mind being treated as the talent for a little bit. You know, I've, <sighs> yeah. I'm very much... I'm I'm a little bit of a control freak. I like my fingers and all the pies, and I'm I, you know I I dungeon master. You know I want to know what's going on. I like planning things. Mm-hmm. But there's some mornings you just want somebody to show up at your door with a bottle of water and a Red Bull and say, "Okay, go. This is what you're doing today." <laughs> oh man, let me tell you, when I did that that Hearthstone casting gig last year, yeah. Oh, it was nice. Mm. Oh, it was damn mm. nice. We were. I'll share I'll share this story and then I promise we'll talk about some gaming news. Uh, <laughs> so you have a you have a um, you have to do a rehearsal. So if you weren't aware, I hosted a, a show tournament for the release of the Hearthstone expansion, March of the Lich King, where they added Death Knights and it was like a Death Knight tournament. So much fun. I, you did a great job. I couldn't have if you had asked me if you could host one Hearthstone dream event, what would it be? It would have been that. And I but I wouldn't have known it existed because I never thought they were going to add Death Knights to the game. Um. So, uh, you know, got out, got tapped to go do that. And, and so the day before the actual event started, we had rehearsal and, um, you know, just the whole day of getting, you know, meeting the crew and getting used to like having a diode in my ear while I get to, I get to hear from the producer, which was really cool by the way, but you know, also learn to trust each other. Um, but at the end of the day, we're like leaving rehearsals done, uh, talking with the community manager and also like the producer and a couple other people and the producer's like, Hey, is, so is everything good? Is every, how's everything doing? And earlier in the day, we, uh, uh, Slissa, who I was co-hosting with, um, we went to the the fridge to grab a Red Bull and they were all sugar free. And we both just, we both just kind of deflated. We're like, Oh no, we don't want these. <laughs> and the community manager had noticed. And as we're leaving, they're like, the producer's like, Hey, is everything good? And we're like, yep, totally good. Just, you know, being polite. And the, the community sure. manager's like, could you, could you get them normal Red Bulls? <laughs> the next morning <laughs> there was like a case of freaking Red Bulls in the fridge. That's great. And that's just awesome. Like I've never had that experience before. Uh, so that was, that was really cool. Like I've did a couple things at BlizzCon, but that that's uh, like, if you do a single panel, that's in and out. Like you go in, they, th- you just like throw makeup on your face and you go out on stage. There's no like hanging around afterwards. Uh, Casting like it was a whole day event. My call time was 5 a.m. Like doing the casting. So like having little comforts was really cool and not having to worry about it myself was awesome. So I'm not used to that. Like we put on our own conference years ago. (laughs) For one of Red Bulls, I had to leave the venue and go get them. 
Yeah. So it's really cool. It's really cool. I can, 10 out of 10 would recommend having uh, someone to take care of you every once in a while, Kyle. That's not, yeah, nice, nice stuff. Yeah. 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 It was, it was very nice. It was very, very nice. But anywho, uh, um, video game news, video game news. Let's talk about it. Good, 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 good. Oh, great news, everyone. Shove it. I will. Uh, shove it into archive wonderful pokemon art uh, shove it right into the archive so what what's going on here um i just i was just you know enjoying my morning coffee mm-hmm. and uh, some awesome person on twitter who's also a youtuber is getting sent original pokemon scanned art so th- this would be the OG illustrations. You remember, you were, did you start with red and blue like I did, Kyle? Yeah, yeah, I was, right. I was a blue. You remember blue. the manual going through it and there were little spot uh-huh. illustrations of the Pokemon of that uh, um, uh, if you're into art mediums probably looked a little watercolor to you. It was a little blown out. Yeah, a little, a little photocopied. Um, yeah, yeah. And they, so they were watercolored. So they were all done by the same artist up through the second gen, which would have been what gold silver. So it was like the original 200 some odd. There was like a spot illustration for all of them, all done by the same artist, all done in the same style, which was like ink outlines with watercolored coloring. Um, and I, I, I guess there's a history here that I was completely unaware of, but a lot of what we got here in the States was not the highest quality scans of this original artwork. Cause we're talking non-digital digital, like actual watercolor. So if you wanted to move it to something you printed, it needed to be scanned in and translated. Uh, and I, I guess uh, according to this uh, article over on Kotaku, I've also seen this reported on a few other places that it's, it's generally considered that what we got here in the States was, was a bad transfer of this art. A lot of it was uh, rather higher contrast than the original art was supposed to look. Uh, and also like sometimes the colors just were way off. And so uh, the, you, some, some of our audience may be familiar. There's a YouTuber by the name of Lutu uh, goes by the same name on Twitter. And um, what are you showing the audience right now, Kyle? Uh, the, the, my uh, Poke, my Poke guide, my Poke guide thing, with all the blown out art. Apparently, oh my god, I, I had that book that I didn't know was I terribly know blown st- out. But you yeah, still have that? oh my yeah. god. Oh no, I got some gems in here. I got oh, a lot of things. Dude, I got, you uh, are ta- oh, d- dude. I'm like here. You ever go through the rental store? See this guy? Oh yeah, I played the oh, hell out of Battle Tank. Oh my god, so dude! Global assault. I, I have like a very vivid memory of being uh, babysat by my grandparents at one point, And I had the, the Pokemon guy that you just held up and I was it just well, like, had the stickers. I it was ju- badass. I had just gotten it. Oh, yeah, my. you had the stickers and you'd like you, you you'd have to match them. So you do like you had the, the, the Pokedex, right? You had the Pokedex. Yeah, you fill it you out. Take the stickers out of the back and you put them in the little booklet yeah. when you got them. Wow. I've got a huh. box of old magazines somewhere. I should see if that's in there. Yeah, you're, you're, dude, you've like absolutely just like triggered a, a sense memory. <laughs> like, holy crap. Um, anyway, uh, so, uh, Lutu, uh, on Twitter at least, because I went and read the, the threads, has been being sent, uh, new scans of this artwork, which apparently are from, uh, Japan only releases guides to Pokemon Gold and Pokemon Silver, which uh, so it was a Japanese release only, and the the contrast and the coloring on a, at least a lot of the illustrations 
wildly different. And in some cases, like the example of, of Ivysaur, uh, the, the the new scan is much more in line with how you see Ivysaur now in like full color Pokemon games. So some of them seem like really obvious that were they were kind of off. Yeah, and interesting. Others so are I can even uh, see others are more subtle, but I think it's really no, I can, I, cool. I can see it here in my book. So you got um you know you got your Gengar, which is all blown out and you know very watercolor, and then you got Ghastly that just looks like clip art, like normal normal stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. Another example in the Kotaku piece is Ditto, which like looked like just like a line drawing. There was none of the pink color, like almost none of the pink coloring made it over in the uh, American version. Uh, but then the new scan, like there's all this really nice, subtle pink watercolor going on. Interesting. It. Uh, that That is more in line with like if you watch the Pokemon anime, Ditto was pink. Uh, and, and in color Pokemon titles that followed, Ditto was pink. What number was Ditto? I don't remember. I want to say Ditto was past 100. Yeah, I would assume he was in the in the later weird ones. Uh, I'm sure there's a wonderful Bulbapedia. Uh, we'll probably Would tell they change me. the numbers? Did 132. The numbers the same? Ditto was 132. 132. 132. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's, he's just like a, a little, you know, dried up piece of gum. <laughs> yeah. Ain't got yeah. no pink. So I, I have a deep, deep love and nostalgia for the original pokemon illustrations i i am definitely in the camp of fat pikachu best pikachu i agree yeah i agree i, I love chonk i love chonky pikachu i have the it was a nintendo power promo where if you subscribed in this window you got the original tcg e3 promo pikachu card still have it yes. still in a hard plastic case uh, and that's it's chunky Pikachu in the original TCG art. Like, I love it. I absolutely love that shit. I would buy a print of it. Um, so this this is interesting. And I, I and I give credit to Kotaku. We give them, you know, we, we love memeing on Kotaku articles. So sometimes their headlines are just ridiculous. But they actually go pretty deep into some community concerns of people being like, well, we're we're worried that the old North American scans that we grew up with like are going to go the way the dodo and you won't see it anymore on Bulbapedia and stuff like that once oh. these new scans come in. Um, but I, I do believe Lutu on Twitter pointed out that Bulbapedia, you can go through like the archives of other images that have been on the site historically. So, yeah, I hope I hope they do what um, what D&D Wikipedia has where you can select your edition because that's wonderful fun is seeing what an old werebear looked like drawn by Gary Gygax. Yeah. 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 So uh, anyway, I'd love this kind of stuff. Like the idea of, of any sort of archiving when it comes to video games is, is something I just find fascinating. Um, and, and it was something I didn't really start thinking about until we got pretty long in the tooth in world of Warcraft. And, and then when they started talking about classic, I was like, yeah, you know, from a, a gaming hist history perspective, it kind of sucks. We can't go back and play the OG versions of World of Warcraft. Um, hmm. And a particularly egregious example of that is everything that happened with Warcraft 3 Reforged. Um, but that was more of a, that more impacted the online aspect of the game. Like you can still go back and play original Warcraft 3 campaign. It's relatively easy to go and experience that. But, um, like, I love this stuff because it was I mean, growing up like well, there was no reverence for this. No one was no one was putting in the work to make sure that all this stuff was historically preserved. Yeah, it was very much new, new, new. And then, of course, you know, we went from 
it's particularly weird to go from like pixel art to 3D and go, ah, that's better in today's sensibilities, right? We would rather have pixel art than see the, the ball hands and the spiky hair kind of going down. Yeah, it depends, right? Because there is there is this wave, this 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 wave of like retro games that are going for PS1 graphics. Um, what was that card game that shoot came out last year? It's like this creepy 3D card game. I forget what it's called. Someone in chat, I'm sure will. I, I haven't played it, but I, it, it got rave reviews last year. It was a, it was a big oh. darling on a lot of uh, game of the year. Uh, starts with an I. I was think. it Inscription? Yes, yes, that's it. Yes. Okay. So I am. I haven't played it yet. I probably should. I don't like. I'm not a big deck builder fan, which a lot of people are like. But you like her? I'm like. I like. Like limited magic, and that's pretty much it as far as deck building for me is concerned. But, um, well, you're not a big tower defense game guy. You, you don't like uh, losing. That's not the right word, but that that experimentation that comes with horribly uh, crafting something and going, well, whoops, and then restarting over again. Yeah, yeah, but but inscription I think is a really good example of this, where it's like it's going for a retro 3D look. Not a retro, like sprite based look, which is, I think, for a lot of us, especially our age, Kyle, like when we hear the name, like the term, oh, it's a retro game, or I'm immediately thinking, like, it's going to look like a Super Nintendo game. That's what it's yep. going to look like. We're looking at 16 bit, sprite based, pixel art. And, and, uh, but now we're, we're starting to get a wave of, of games that are hearkening back to early, early, the early look of 3D um, that I think is really fascinating. And it has made me, appreciate the the look of old 3d games in a way there was still a simplicity to everything um that i think is really endearing like i don't know also i'm feeling i'm still got a lot god dude, i have so much mario 64 nostalgia after the damn movie they did they did the the stained glass uh profile window of peach on the castle in the oh movie. okay and i was like oh man mario 64 was like it was a religious experience as a child. You're just like, oh, I didn't know you could do this. Um, but that's a hard one to get over. I don't know if Mario 64 looks objectively bad. I don't know. I don't think it does. I don't think it does anymore. I think there was there was a time where it looked like where that was the case, and, and now I think it looks like it's 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 its own art form. Like, and and really, this is true of anything. And I think with enough time, we're going to start feeling this way about a lot of things. Like, this, I think there's going to be a day where you wake up, Kyle, and you're going to be like. Man, I could go for some monochromatic Gears of War right now, like like early three sixty. Weird to imagine right now, but yeah. yeah. But I think you might. I think you might wake up one day and start to feel nostalgic for that. Like I like I have a lot of nostalgia for the old shitty PC game uh, box art, where it was like that bad old render where the game never looked like that, but they were just trying to make it look like high tech three D to sell you the game. Sure, like the old Starcraft boxes. Like I've I've got a lot of nostalgia for that. Well, that's something, but that that served a purpose, right? That wasn't false advertising. That was what I call mental graphics, where you saw a picture of a thing, and the Marines were in the horrible cutscene nowadays, but look great in the back, you know, struggling against the Zerglings. And so when your Zerglings and Marines were sitting there going, you hit me, I hit you, you hit me, I hit you, your brain transposed upon that, the box art, the back I think, you I th- saw, the cinematic. I'm with you on that, too. And the, the same, it was like the same, the same was true of like, I love original NES box art. Cause it was really gorgeous illustrations a lot of the times, but they were also very busy in a, in a way that is really only can only have happened in the late eighties and nineties. Uh, but it was like, the game doesn't look like this. The game looks like an eight bit mess. Cause they just don't have that many pixels to work with. But the, the art on the front made me imagine the adventure I was about to go on. 
Yeah, exactly. And I, I honestly had this experience this week, kind of that outside of body, like trying to be objective because I watched the new uh, Warcraft Dragonflight cinematic thing they put out, the new story chapter as they enter, I think it's 10.1 they're going for. And so it's, you should it's, load that up after the podcast or something. I, I haven't watched it. Yeah, it, it's an interesting experience, right? Because on the surface level, you could say, like, let's take an ASEAN cutscene from Final Fantasy 14 and take a clip of it. And the same music's playing that you've heard 20 times before. Two people are talking in a room. And out from the outside, you might be like, what is this? This is boring. It's same old, same old around here. But, you know, you're a fan of it. And you're like, oh, man, what are they saying? Like, let's dissect it. And so I, I'm having that experience when I watch this World of Warcraft cinematic of being like, is this, does this look good for the engine? Is this right? Is the music good? What? <laughs> what? Like, it, you're it, it out now. Like, like you, you're, you yeah. haven't been, it, like, it tapped into WoW since BFA. It felt like you were watching a movie trailer, like a really, like, cra- overcrafted movie trailer where the exact same sound beats happen again, and at the end it does the, oh, close out, you know, where it goes dark. They love that, oh, thing they do. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? Who? We would call Why? that a, a musical swell. A swell, yeah. Speaking of swell, I found my um, I found my uh, an old Pokemon Pikachu, uh, at Pikachu comic book I had. Oh, I had that. I, I had yeah. that too. I think it came with a Nintendo Power or something. Dude, you are so. triggering my nostalgia hard today. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like, oh man, I just want, dude. Do I want a room with carpet in my house? Look how. Am I just nostalgic for sitting on carpet and playing Game Boy? <laughs> I mean, your your butt has uh, changed. Since you were a small lad, and it'd probably be horribly uncomfortable. I need a beanbag and carpet stat. The be- yeah, I've, I, that's something I've been debating. Uh, like a gamer chair for my kid. Oh. Because um, like, they got the, the sort of L-shaped ones, and you could put speakers in it, but then you have cables going across the floor. That's a waste of time. But, you know, do you do the L-shaped one? Do you do the beanbag chair? We all know, like, the hand is horribly uncomfortable, or any of those sort of, like, quirky college room ones oh yeah i never had any of that but i was definitely i was a beanbag kid for sure i had a beanbag too i had this hideous hideous yellow thing that would also fold into a sort of a bed like kick out the bottom and it would become a bed and i love that thing that was perfect for gaming but it was also you know the it was a jc penny's tv it was in the closet the armoire whatever you know you know what i mean you open the two doors and you slide them back in and there's a tv in there that's got like Four feet of TV behind the screen. Oh, you had one of those? Nice. Yeah. Now, I, I had a hand-me-down armoire from my dad, and uh, the TV didn't fit in it. So it, I just literally have uh, lifelong neck pain as a result of looking all the way up at the top of that thing. Oh, yeah. Because that's where the TV sat. You would make do. We only had one TV in the whole house, too. So you, you pull out the arms, you open the closet and not push them in so you could lay a blanket over the top so it would block the sun coming in. Because, oh, you, know, there was you no, had a whole, you had a whole yeah, freaking. There, there was a, and if it was really advanced, you would do blanket all the way behind the gamer chair so that you created kind of a dome oh, to block the sun. Oh. Okay, now you're just making me want to stop this conversation dead in its tracks so we can make an entire video where we just talk about what our childhood bedrooms were like. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this was the, there was one TV in the whole house, so this was not the bedroom quite yet. Oh, I got gotcha. It. Yeah. Uh, eventually, my dad won a raffle at work, and I got a TV of my own in my room. That uh, was when I was like 16. I, I, always, I always had whatever the last living room television was went, went to me. Sort of cycled uh, down to so you. Yeah. My my fir- I think I got my first TV. 
It would have been when I got my NES. I think that's when my parents were like, all right, we'll get a new living room TV. You can have this. This It was the one with the pull button to turn it on. And then you also Ooh. turned the the button to change yeah. channels. And it was that like really satisfying click, 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 click. And it had brown wood paneling on the front. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't real wood. You know, it was like that Formica type stuff. Uh, and yeah, that was the NES. And that would have been the UHF adapter was how you connected it to it. Those the the, the two pronged screw in things that was that was my first television and my first gaming console nice yeah i think it was channel three i don't think it was i think i i don't think it was channel two i think it was always channel three for me at some point it was channel four weird for for games i I don't know why i don't know what changed yeah eventually it was the whole input thing yeah the magnifying glass for your game boy no i never did i was late coming to the game boy i had a game gear first Sure, nothing eight batteries. Oh, dude, yeah, batteries. no, I was just I was stuck to the to the the DC adapter in yeah. the the family van because because my my folks were really interested in the handhelds early on because we would drive seven hours to the, the Florida Keys every year, and okay. uh, so it didn't take a lot of convincing to be like, "Hey, mom and dad, the Game Gear sure looks cool." And they were just like, "Wait, we could." not have to worry about you for seven hours straight. <laughs> um, and then when, when Pokemon came out, that's when I was like, please, 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 please give me a Game Boy. Sure. Please give me a Game Boy. And eventually wore them down, got my Game Boy Color. Shout out to my folks, man. My, my grandparents got me the NES. That was my, so shit. Oh, I miss my grandparents dearly. They were awesome. My grandpa would always uh, record anything I wanted because he was the only dude in the family that had a, a, a VCR that could record. So nice. if I knew a movie was coming up, like that's how I, ha- I had the DuckTales movie, uh, the first Ninja Turtles, um, eventually uh, Aliens, because that's how cool my grandfather was <laughs> on TV. They showed Aliens on TV. Yeah, yeah. I had I think maybe it was the first Alien. I think it was the first Alien was on TV. And OK. Then, yeah. And that got me into the, into sci fi horror. And the, I was lost at that point. I, I saw that way too young, way too young. But, but it, you know, it sparked that, right? I saw mine was um, Judgment Day. And I saw, you know, Sarah Connor grabbing the fence and, and oh. I, you know, couldn't sleep. And it was mm. horrible. But also like, mm, what, what was this? I, I, I need to revisit Labyrinth because I saw Labyrinth too young. And it was just the we I didn't know what an acid trip was. But <laughs> still, you're just like, what the hell is going on? The David Bowie and they break into the girl's room and there's a rock man. It was just, it was so overwhelming. Oh, I, I loved Labyrinth the moment I saw it. I, I, I always really liked it. I never got much into Never Ending Story because I saw Labyrinth before I saw Never Ending Story. And then when I watched Never Ending Story, I'm like, these puppets suck. Is Never Ending Story even a Jim Henson? No, it's not. And, okay. and so I stand by it. Like, like to me, like, even as a kid, I was like, oh, this looks like Labyrinth at home. Like, I know a lot of, and I, if you like, Nevering story. I know it's beloved, like you do you, um, but sure. the order I saw them in kind of kind of ruined it for me. So yeah, uh, boy, howdy, man, you really did not show up expecting to have this conversation. Today. Oh, you you brought a Pokemon. How can you not be time and place about Pokemon? <laughs> I love the old watercolor illustrations and like yeah. Uh, now I just like get, apparently you can still buy these Japanese release only books, and I'm legitimately thinking about ordering the the two. They're, they're not expensive. Uh, I think you can. St- I looked very briefly. I found one of them for like twenty bucks, shipped in from Japan. I'm like, I, I kind of want this now, um, but I would l- like 
freaking hey uh, game freak nintendo can y'all just put out an official art book like give me some hi your your og pokemon fans are getting on 40 now could you like we want to buy nice renditions of your stuff um could you could you give me a nice hard bound coffee table book of all the original pokemon art please i would buy that yeah i i never made it to another generation of pokemon i moved on to the card game and then i went straight to magic the gathering because yeah same same and and i'm not gonna lie it is in the back of my head has been how cool would it be if we declared listen we've never played any other pokemon and then actually went through it like started with gold and silver and and worked our way through up through modern it, it'd be a lot of samey game mechanics for a while but sure it's the, the mobileness of it and you know being stuck in the car while your parents go do you want to come into the grocery store and you say no i'm gonna stay in the car <laughs> like <laughs> it was it served a purpose right and i, I replayed blue recently about uh, four years ago i replayed I on a lot of planes i re i used to replay red like every two years and now i i think i go back to red at once every like five to seven um, and I still, where is it? Oh no, shit. I don't have mine near me. I've got Katie's old Game Boy Pocket right here, which still works. Mm. Um, we, uh, Katie came with a bunch of Game Boys. I don't know how she ended up with such a Game Boy graveyard. But <laughs> when you married her, what is, yeah, but she moved in, man. She came in with a bunch of those, those, uh, you slide them under your bed, flat, uh, rubber maids. Like she's an action figure. One of them is of, just like, full. Yes. Like Katie's accessories, uh, one yeah. Chihuahua, two ferrets and a shit ton of Game Boys. That's, okay. that's, uh, yeah. when you marry huh. a Katie, that's what you get. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so Kristen's, uh, the Kristen place that came with a piano. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah. get uh, I got a I got a acoustic Katie's dad's old acoustic, but I already had an acoustic. So I wasn't as excited about it. That's right. Yep. I'm guitar spoiled everybody. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah, I didn't get. Yeah. Piano would be cool. That's my that's my adult uh, sadness is I, I stopped learning piano as a kid because I wasn't into it. And they were like, all right, well, we have a guitar. That's your only other option. So, uh, I yeah, I hope I can be cool enough of a piano. parent, you know, when band starts up that I actually get them an instrument they want. Cause I was, I was, uh, given my mom's old saxophone and I just did not care to learn the saxophone. It was just a big clarinet. Hmm. Now it like, and saxophones were lame. Right, because we were in the '90s, we were sick of them by the '80s. Oh, Nowadays, I disagree. Like, I disagree. I think in the '90s they were still cool, but then they started to drop off around the same time that ska was no longer cool. <laughs> well, and the ba- and I uh, was in band. Uh, you know, it would have been right around 2000, right? So like, it it was totally uncool. I played snare drum because I was like, I want to, you know, I watch them go blah, 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 and like really go at the uh-huh. drum set, uh-huh. and they're like, awesome, you could be drums. They gave me a snare, and it, it, play a song for us. King, 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 like it was lame. It was horror. So no matter like what instrument I, I played, it was always like the, it always felt lameified. I really wanted to do violin and I own a violin uh, now, but you know, I, dude, I, I violin got, too. Same, same. Cause yeah. I was, I was really into, into movie scores, like sure. in particularly like John Williams stuff, which I know is like a lot of French horn, but there's also a butt ton of violin. Um, like I was obsessed with the Jurassic Park score as a kid. I would just listen to it like all the time. And I remember really wanted to learn violin. My, my folks being like, we have a keyboard. We have a guitar. We're, we're, we're not buying a whole new instrument on a lark. And, and now as an adult, I respect that. Again, yes. I, I never stuck with anything as a kid. So, right. 
Um, but I did stick with the guitar. Uh, I love guitar. I'm, I'm mediocre at it at best, but, uh, I do, I do quite enjoy guitar, but anywho, somehow we got here from, uh, Pokemon art. Uh, how can you not? You know, it's, it's a trip. It's time and the place. Shout out to Lutu on Twitter. Uh, I'm now following you and my, my feed is already a slightly happier place as a result. Seen a lot of Pokemon art already, and I just followed this person this morning. Um, you you found a, a hilariously depressing gaming story. <laughs> like this is um, what would you even call this? Like a base level dystopian? Like it's not that bad. It's just kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's another chapter in the just stop ruining Lord of the Rings. Uh, story arc that we're currently on. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a range of that topic, right? Depending on who you are and what you decide to do with your Twitter account, there's a range of how you personally feel Lord of the Rings is being ruined. In this case, it's the upcoming Gollum game, and the devs explained why you're going to have to pay extra for Elvish. So that when you go around as Gollum, listening to people talk. Who's making this game? Uh, EA circa 2011? You got to download the extra elvish lines. Now, of course, you know, the quote here quotes that, you know, this uh, the the elves in the base game will speak their tongue from time to time. But on top of that, we're allowing the elvish voiceover expansion, which will allow you to hear more characters in the background, particularly when traversing Mirkwood and other parts of Middle Earth. Uh, Gollum will uh, be able to listen to these various lines of Elvish dialogue for atmosphere and world building. But we've somehow officially reached atmosphere and world building being DLC content. (laughs) Why? (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know. And this is so let's let's get the developer on this. uh, All right. Who's making this? Who's making this thing? Datalik Entertainment, who I've never heard of. Um, but okay. Their is Wikipedia is longer than I would expect a studio I'm unfamiliar with to be. So that is, let's see, I've, I got I got them up on uh, on the Steam here. They have made a Borrowed Trauma, interesting, which is like a kind of like horror submarine game. I am wildly unfamiliar with their entire catalog. Icarus. Oh, wait, uh, no, no, that's not how you say it. That's how, just how I said it in my head. Eratus, Lord of the Dead. Yeah, I got I got nothing, man. I have no that touch was, point. That was a Darkest Dungeon knockoff, which I bought and swiftly returned because I had screen shake for everything. So I got motion sick. Like, every time anyone would swing an axe, and then do that slow down, too, where it wouldn't just, like, shake once on the attack. It'd go, and then lose momentum slowly as it wiggled about. Uh, they did Shadow Tactics, which is a pretty... You know, popular game, you know, Shadow Tactics. Okay. People like the Shadow Tactics. Okay. Uh, uh, they did that ink, that ink kind of based uh, medieval game. So they've done some stuff and they are now doing the Lord of the Rings Gollum game where, you know, Gollum's, Gollum's not official, right? That's, that's across the board. You can say right now that Avengers, Lord of the Rings, they're all going through this knockoff phase where you don't get the actor's likeness anymore it's too expensive they're not gonna yeah, pay it's, for it it's not andy circus it looks uh, vaguely like Gollum from the movie big eyes uh the shirtless child hobo i don't know how to describe Gollum. yeah no, it's well you know it's a, it's a hobbit but yes it's very much childlike proportions with the big head and the big eyes and you are going to be playing 
what looks like from the outside, a stealth-based game where you might get to explore many, many different stories of the Lord of the Rings universe and follow various characters on their journeys. Perhaps like a unaggressive Shadows of Mordor or something like that, you know, like a less violent. But it's it's showcasing itself to be pretty Warhammer-esque, like it is taking the Sauron aesthetic and running big with it because you're going to be running around Mordor for a very long time. But the idea of taking what is essentially a language of flavor and putting it behind a paywall is just bizarre to me. It does seem odd. Uh, I mean, uh, trying to rationalize it, like my brain goes two different places. Like one, like if it wasn't required, why bother in the first place? Like why even do this? Why even go and, and hire actors to do a whole extra vocal track for your game if the, the game is perfectly serviceable without it? So like maybe that's fine. Like I don't know. Like I'm not that. I'm not this deep. I love the movies. The original three movies, love them. Never been able to make it through a Tolkien book. Uh, just too dense for me. I don't need that much description of what grass looks and feels like. Sure. Um, so like I like to me, it's just like one of the greatest trilogies of movies ever made, and and that's kind of where it goes. Also. I now have long hair and I'm kind of wondering if I can pull off an Aragorn cosplay. That's as far, that's Ooh, as deep as my yeah. Lord of the Rings fandom goes. Um, tried the new show. I think it, I, I weep for that new show. Cause I like I, the artistry on display, the amount of people who had hands on this thing. And it's actually beautiful. Like the, the rings of power. It makes me cry thinking about how much beautiful art, artful effort went into a really lackluster script. Like I feel yeah, like I just, oh, it's just rough, man. It's rough. And I think the cast is good. Like there's scenes where I'm like, Ooh, this is good. And then I just kind of got bored and wandered off from that show. Well, and individually, like a lot of the ideas were really, really cool. I love the sort of romance witcher hunting the, I think they were goblins or maybe they were orcs, but they made them so threatening. Like one, one orc coming up from underground there in those early episodes. I was like, Oh, that was great. That's a great scene. There's moments of greatness in that show. There's moments, but the overall script, they just don't have much. They're trying to do it really. And I don't mean it to be overly mean, but it is an exercise in polishing a turd. I think it's a really good example of that where it's just like your, your initial skeleton of the, of the story you went out to tell. There's just not much there. Um, and, and it's just, it's just a bummer because I think it's a good cast. And I think, Oh my God, God, the production behind it has been phenomenal. Um, but yeah, anyway, that, that, to give you an idea where I stand on, on Lord of the Rings, I'm not one of these uh, like Silmarillion reading uh, hardcore fans. I haven't gone that deep. Um, I love the YouTube channels. I love lower YouTube channels. So you know, right now I'm on a big Warhammer kick. So every night I you know I crawl into bed and I go, ooh, you know what horrible emperor acts can I read about tonight when they were you know attacked by the Tyranids? Ooh, awesome! I'll fall asleep to this real cozy. <laughs> and so I love uh, Nerd of the Rings. There's a great YouTube channel, and uh, I have like creator sympathies. You know their their channel's doing fine, but they saw it coming. Much like we might see a video game coming out and went awesome. Rings of Power. Let's do this. Full on Rings of Power. I'm going to make lore videos about Rings of Power. I'm going to do episode by episode reactions. I'm going to and it just was flat. You know like. People didn't care because the product wasn't great. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just, it, it could have been wonderful. Uh, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a shame. I, I really, I was very ready for it to be my thing. Like, 
It does. It, Kyle can attest. It don't take much for me to get invested in your live action television show. I'm I'm ready. I'm on the lookout constantly for new things to watch. But yeah, so I this really just, liked uh, this seems, Shadows of Mordor. Um, the first one. I think the second one was a bit of a travesty. The second one had a decent advancement on the Nemesis system, so I had fun. But it, it was obviously messy, and they didn't really have anything for uh, Celebrimbor to explore. Do it's the second time in my life I've had buyer's remorse on a full price game. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, I, I paid full price because I loved the first one. I loved the mm. first Shadows of Mordor. And I thought the second one, uh, uh, to put it like a wonderful Hobbit once did, felt like not enough butter spread over too much bread. Oh, nice. Well done. Yeah, that, that game, Nemesis system was awesome, though. The Nemesis Man, system was awesome, yeah. But the second, the second game was just like the zones were needlessly huge with no variation and 10-minute load times in between. Probably not actually that long, but it felt like it. When you would go to a different zone, the load times were ridiculous. It is an interesting conundrum, the open world aspect. And I find myself thinking about it often while we're playing Elden Ring. Like, why does this work? This expanse isn't that interesting. You know, this another big uh, foggy lake. Mm. But it's the locations you end up in that kind of sell. You can have an open world and it can be boring as dirt. But when you get into the temple... When you get into the dungeon, that has to be equally as expansive. That has to be just as big and more filled out than your open world is. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, all of this is to say, um, also, I just don't like Gollum that much. Gollum creeps me out. Uh, I find Gollum kind of just uncomfortable to look at. Like, I think it's in, I think it's the goal, but I think one of the ugliest character designs in the history of cinema is Gollum. Like, I just don't like looking at him. Um, I, it, and and I, I, I find him a little irritating, which is a shame because I can do a great Gollum impression. Well, who can't? <laughs> I mean, well, if you have a deep voice, you can do it. With, that's, that's the fallacy of Gollum voices is if you have a deep voice, you can do a Lilo. Is it Lilo or Stitch? Stitch. You can do a Stitch and you can do a Gollum. Oh, I never thought you, about the Lilo, but you're right. Yeah, and, and if stitch. you have a high voice, stitch. It's yeah, stitch, it doesn't not line Lilo. up right. Lilo's it's one of those amazing... It's, it's interesting. I, I would love to see a... I was personally, you know, what was I, 13 or something? Like, I was personally disappointed when they updated Gollum to be more cute and more human. I was really excited to see, like, horrifying Fellowship of the Ring Gollum become the Gollum that was talking to people. Oh, uh, yeah, no, that's a good, the, uh, the old rotoscoped Hobbit animation. I love the way Gollum looks in that. Like, he's really monstrous looking. Yeah, he's horrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like, when I say it's one of the ugliest designs in the history of cinema like i think that was the intent like you're this golem's supposed to be really off-putting and you're supposed to feel bad for this character um and, and i and i do and it's a it really integral part of the story but it's not a character i want to spend a lot of time with like i, I don't want to be the last thing i want to do is be golem like hey do you want to be a tortured <laughs> heroin addict in a fantasy setting uh no i i don't so thanks and and also like everything's subjective, but this game looks like it came out 10 years ago to me. Like the, it did doesn't see, look that good. Did you see the trailer that was recently put up for RoboCop? They're, they're doing RoboCop again. They just did RoboCop again. It's a movie. It's a video game. It's a video game, not a movie. Oh shit. They're doing a RoboCop game. It looks like stripped down cyberpunk. It's. Oh, look it, at this. It's, shock, 
Rogue City. Oh, this is old. I'm late to this. A month ago. Yeah, it, it's one of, one of the strangest trailers I've ever seen. Because I guess they're nailing something, but it's just so bare bones. Like, what what is the video game? What am I going to do in it but shoot people? Oh, my God. Yeah, this does look... Uh... I mean, again, kind of the point, I was going to say it looks extremely stiff, but kind of the point, that's, that's, that's the, the point of is RoboCop. you walk around stiff and you're invincible and you shoot bad guys. But like, where's the the game? What's the challenge? What, how yeah, many this, bosses must oh, I face? Oh, what, this doesn't what, look great. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I, this dismissed my radar entirely. I do like RoboCop, but Robo, RoboCop, much like Terminator, it's like, how do you make a game around that? Because the character is essentially unkillable. It's like, I love the crow. Like, how how do you make a crow video game? The the crow's power is the crow don't die. (laughs) Like, Uh, you could do it. What was that? What was that weird game that uh, seemed like it was just a racing game, but it was actually like a body transfer jumpy? It wasn't like Sunshine Unleashed or something mad like that. It sounds like you're talking, the, the title makes me think you meant Sunset Overdrive, but that wasn't a driving game. Okay. Yeah, there's, okay. Driver San Francisco? I don't. I, I, I shouldn't have brought it up because I don't remember. I have absolutely no idea, man. I don't know. But there are I'm games. There are games on the surface levels that you go, what, 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 what is it? And then when you get in it, you're like, oh, this actually is like heavy sci-fi and kind of goes places. Oh, well, beats me. Well, apparently this, uh, the Gollum Studio has published many, many games, some of which are decent. So there's really no telling what that, yeah. what that product's going to be like. In the end, yeah, this whole this whole game it just like seems very strange to me, and and is is not at all a, a Lord of the Rings fantasy I personally want to live out. Some of the uh, some of the Magic the Gathering cards they're making are really cool. Oh, dude, that crossover looks great. Yeah, I haven't yeah, played Magic in a while, but if I was playing it, I would be into this. Yes, I don't know if it's if they're like exclusives, like the Transformers thing was, where like you know they. Oh, and then I heard they're they're only printing one ring the one ring there's only one they're ever going to print and put it in a pack somewhere so there's only ever one ring in the whole world okay listen i can understand being mad about that but also that's kind of cool right yeah that's well, kind of like, cool yeah, it's kind of neat and i i think they're doing multiples of like the dwarven rings but there's like 14 of those or something but like you know it, Dude, if, I was, if i was younger and wasn't beaten into joy submission by every company Charizard. on earth <laughs> <laughs> if i was a like if i was in my teens that would be the coolest thing you could tell me about about a crossover in Magic the Gathering with Lord of the Rings. I tried for Charizard for years and years. I, I can't. I can't farm. I'll craft. I'll craft in your online video game, but I will not farm real cards. I traded a ton of cards for Charizard once, and then I got really into playing the game, and I retraded it again for a ton of cards back because I just wanted to play. And uh, kind of wish I held on to it. Because although I do, we need to go through, man, uh, like last year went and visited my folks and they were like, hey, we found a bunch of your old stuff. And they gave me my old original Pokemon TCG binder. It's got Pokemon Snap stickers on the front from the old Blockbuster kiosk Ooh. and all my old cards are in it. And it's all original set and uh, Japanese releases because I was obsessed with the Japanese cards for the sets we didn't have yet. Sure. Um, so well, I, they all I had, what was it? The, the, the dark what was the it was the team rocket set i have a i have a a a, what they call it because it wasn't foil it was holographic i have a holographic team rocket charizard uh in japanese that's in that binder um and i I was like one of these days when kyle and i just want to hang it on stream i'm gonna bust this out and look through it 
Yeah. Uh, my heart sinks even to think to tell this story. But, you know, we all uh, we all grown up a bit. And when I was in sixth grade, I traded a kid a drowsy and a war turtle for his Blastoise. And I got the Blastoise off him. That's a so, good trade. I mean, Blastoise, it, I think, was a guarantee if you bought the water deck. So I don't think but it was that rare. It was cruel. It was cruel because he didn't know Pokemon. So I gave him a war. Like, it's it's vulgar. It's a <laughs> vulgar trade because I traded him a, a war turtle, the unevolved Blastoise, for his Blastoise and a drowsy, which I had a million of. Oh, like, man. Just That's some bad karma right there, person. buddy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still paying it all. Every time I stub my toe, I'm like, mm, shouldn't have traded that. <laughs> shouldn't have done that. Step on a nail. I'm like, oh, I'm getting tetanus shots this weekend because I traded a Blastoise. Oh, messed up. Messed up. We need to move on before I just spend this entire episode just doing member berries, man. Okay. Okay. Well, I do want to note some news that I may address in the future. Uh, D&D put up a confusing bit of news about their Dungeon Master's Guide for 2024, and they labeled it Core Rulebook 5e, and 2024 is when D&D 1 is supposed to come out. So I frankly have no idea what's going on with Dungeons & Dragons right now, what their plan is. And I will also fully admit that I'm not being, I'm, I'm purposefully confused because I, I need to research. Like, I don't know. I, there's people who are saying it's confusing for outrage points. I am confused because I have no idea who anybody on the team is anymore. I have no relationship to Wizards of the Coast right now. And they put up a video showcasing an interview with several of the creators. And I, I frankly, I don't know who they are. And there's no graphics in it. It's just talking heads. So it's one of those where in order to get the information, you have to like respect the people talking and I don't know who they are. So I need to like dive in back deep to figure out what's going on so I can actually know what the hell's going on with d what, what Kyle means is he really wants you to, ta- you to tag him in your explanation of what's going on. If uh, you want, like, you know, but I, I'm frankly just, I'm so out of that scene right now because of everything that happened last year with D&D and their confusing message that I take everything else they even try to portray to be as confusing. Man, so, that, that was a hilarious L last year. <laughs> oh, the, yeah, the open license stuff. A like, bit of a ball drop. Yeah, and listen, I was I was removed as someone who, like, I just play D&D when I get invited to go play d and I'm not day-to-day invested. So, like, as an armchair observer, oh, man, it was the best drama. Maximum popcorn value. It was... It was intensely bizarre when, you know, because anytime D&D really tries to nickel and dime you, you just kind of go, hey, you know, we're playing this in our imaginations, right? We don't need you. (laughs) If we don't like you, we don't need you. We could just use old editions. We can go play other games. Now, granted, of course, you know, anyone who says, why don't don't you, you know, why don't streamers do other games? Market. It's just people know the Dungeon Dragons name. When I, when hipsters were big, People wanted to play Dungeons & Dragons because they wanted to say they could play the thing that they saw on Stranger Things. There is just cultural relevance to saying you play D&D. And if you say you play Dungeon World, people go, Ooh, what, what, what was that? I, I don't know that. Or even Pathfinder. What, what was that? I mean, you have that in a lot of things. If you're, if you're trying to uh, you know, get a foothold in, in anything in content creation, it, it's going to be a little bit easier if, if what you're playing or doing or putting out of the world is 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 shared with more people right has the market share and you know there's also bloat and you know another league of legends streamer you could say in many cases but there's also just an understanding that came with 
D&D. I would say right now Dungeons & Dragons is at an all-time low for production because we're all wondering what the next thing is and we don't really want to invest in watching too many people play a version that's going to change very soon. So most Critical Role and other productions are very one-shotty or uh, small potatoes so that they can play now and then they'll do D&D one later but it seems like they're changing that messaging. So I'll report back next week. Let's see what's going on in the trailer park this week. Yep. Mm, yep. Mm-hmm. Ah, I love it when news drops Thursday night so that when we talk about it on the podcast, it feels as <laughs> old as it possibly can. Sure, sure. Yes, yes. We're, uh, Final Fantasy 16 got another trailer. Uh, during the uh, PlayStation State of Play event that happened last Thursday evening. And uh, uh, I, I haven't been watching the last few. Uh, I saw a little bit of their PAX panel, um, but uh, you and I uh, on stream sat down and watched this whole darn thing. It's like a 20 plus minute trailer with a, some some messaging from everyone's favorite Yoshi P. Mm-hmm. And I just remain impressed. This game looks really freaking good they addressed all my concerns which was dodge and parry or block if you will like they have clearly a good system when it comes to their combat it is going to be devil may cry ish but still have those core things you would expect from an action game and in particular devil may cry combat is a big big breakaway from what all of our Premiere games. I, I need to look up this term that you use a lot. Premiere television and whatnot. And I, That's I saw it again prestige. In an article prestige television is the term. Yes. I hate that term on the surface level. So I need to do some research. So maybe I don't hate it anymore. Kyle is not uh, in tune with normal entertainment or what's considered normal entertainment. That's a bad way to put it. Traditional but, entertainment know, or who decides? current you know, who pop decides? culture entertainment. So I think it was on the podcast like a month ago. I mentioned prestige television. You're like, oh, well, aren't you fancy? I'm like, no, Kyle, it's legitimately the term for it. But who decides if it's good? Like, is it, it's not good. It just means it has, like, money. It's AAA. It's AAA, right? It just means AAA. Essentially, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, it's there, there's bad AAA suck. games the same way they're yeah. bad prestige television. It's called Game of Thrones, by the way. That's bad prestige television. Became um, bad. Became yes. bad. Uh, Game of Thrones is legitimately the, the thing I think of the most because it's the first time I've ever hated the ending of something so much it retroactively made me hate what came before it. What well, about uh, like this this week? I learned about something called Yellowstone. I didn't even know existed. I've never watched it because I've heard it's prestige television bait. That it looks like prestige television, and then you watch it and and you realize it's just like boomer bait. What does that mean? It's it 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 caters to an older audience, and uh, the storylines kind of suck. Oh, <laughs> so you're not really supposed to pay attention. You're supposed to enjoy the eye candy or something like that. I, that's what I've been told. It, it is okay. the, the trailers make it look great. It's very well shot. The cinematography in Yellowstone is fantastic. But I've I've heard I will be bored out of my skull if I try and watch it. Well, there was an article this week that was run by Gamespot that I found very interesting, and it was titled "How God of War 2018 Became the New Blueprint for Prestige Gaming," which is the first time I've heard AAA referred to as this word that it's you use. It's not a bad way to describe it because that game and Last of Us and really like first party AAA PlayStation titles makes me think of prestige television. It's very tight scripts, usually pretty self-serious and dramatic. 
And and that's what's going on with a lot of, you know, tentpole releases on the PlayStation. It's the main reason I own a PlayStation. I love those types of games. I love what Naughty Dog makes. I, I loved God of War 2018. I thought Ragnarok was just okay. Uh, but I love those types of games traditionally. It's like the main number one reason I own a PlayStation is because like, I ain't waiting for that shit to come to PC. I, I don't want to get spoiled on experiences that are primarily narrative for me. So, yeah. Um, and I remember seeing little snippets and quotes on social media coming out of the final fantasy 16 previews for them saying like, Oh yeah, no, like there's, you know, we, we were inspired by God of war. And I'm like, that seems like a strange quote about final fantasy. And I've seen other trailers, but something about this specific showcase really made me think about God of war while I was watching it. And it was probably it's the menus. Just, it's the menus. Oh, for me it was the, it was the, the, the set piece boss battles. There's a, there's a part where like a character's like running up a, a a rock tail towards a giant monster, and I was like, "This looks God of War as shit," and I'm really into it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. There was a lot of uh, you know you you're gonna lock into kind of a side scroller fighting game, perhaps for some battles. You're gonna be doing quick time events. You're gonna be uh, parkouring across a monster. There might be a moment where you became. Panzer Dragoon or like a jet fighting game as these set pieces happen. And that's very God of War. But for me, it translates with this article to the menus, the RPG aspect with green, blue, purple, orange, like the the loot has colors. There's an ascending order of things. And in particular, this article points out that God of War 2018 was willing to and had the gumption to break Assassin's Creed combat, which has reigned supreme for forever now. Uh, again, you guys have to be more specific because Assassin's Creed drastically changed its combat. Well, Assassin's Creed to The Witcher to Batman Arkham, this like... Okay, you're talking this, about old school Assassin's Creed combat. I, I haven't played a modern Assassin's Creed because they jumped the shark. They play like Souls games now. And they have for a long time. Like more so than a decade slower, now. Much like God of War 18 decided to be. Uh, Yes. Where the the weights have hit and you sort of are more interested in iframes and how things actually like collide and the block needs to, to a certain degree, yeah, yeah. But I mean, a God of War is still more forgiving than than say a Souls game, but it's similar. There's a there's a through line there, but that's I mean that's not happening at all here with Final Fantasy 16. I mean they they have Devil May Cry talent working on their combat system and it shows. And I think that's the thing that really interests me about it. For one, this trailer showed off. That the loot system, that the leveling up, all that is now functional. And actually, having played 2018 God of War, you're going to fully understand this. It isn't nodes or gems or like some of those level up systems. And I really only played Final Fantasy X. Were pretty obtuse. Are you in like the, the sphere system? Yeah, yeah. With the different colors and the different webbings that you would go out into. It was more like a talent tree, but it started in the middle rather than climb down or up. And actually, Diablo's going, Diablo 4 is going with that more sprawling, start-in-the-center kind of talent tree. Yeah, I think we've decided we're not as afraid of them as we used to be. Or things are just cyclical, and we eventually got a little tired about it, and now maybe we're all feeling a little wistful, wanting to get back to our more involved talent systems. I mean, like fashion, you know, we, hey, I invented a new fashion. Did you, or did you just bring did back Did you? Because I saw how people were dressed at Coachella, and it pretty much looked like 2003 up in there. Yeah, yeah. So some, some of that, of course, comes around, but I do think they've really kind of nailed 
the RPG aspect of it, and the Devil May Cry is your interaction. Much like you might have a D20 and a D6 system, but, I mean, really, like, it's all flavoring at the end of the day. You're if still you're, worried about stats. Sign if you're going to hit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it, to that note, this really gave me those Dragon Age vibes that I've been looking for, that Mass Effect vibe I've been looking for. Maybe yeah. not with the same amount of choice. This feels a lot more uncharted in its linearness. I mean, I don't know about that. There's still a massive map, and I'm sure you can have a lot of free travel, whereas that was never the case in an Uncharted game. But True. True, but when I, I feel like if once you're locked on, at least the way this trailer showed on, your your friends are going to be pre-decided for you. You're not really going to decide if someone goes with you. It'd be great if it grows like you when you're 15 because you have the sort of age up system, 15, 25, 35 kind of thing going on. If you did quests when you were 15, then that's a friend for your 35 quest. That'd be great, but I'm not expecting that of this game. And that might just be, I see the combat and I go, oh yeah, you don't have... You don't have moral choice systems. Mm. Devil May Cry games don't have that. I think you and I are both, like, we kind of realize as we talk to each other more and more about other games, which is so nice. Why well, I love this podcast. Uh, it's a nice break from our past things where we would focus on one game. I think we've really, I've realized that I think we're both very aesthetically motivated in our game selections. And you don't say we did complain about them putting a Elvish behind a paywall. So yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't like looking at Gollum. So I kind of don't want to play this game. Um, but like I'm a final fantasy outsider and I still kind of feel that way. Like uh, I'm, I'm much more in tune with it now after having spent so much time with 14, but I didn't grow up playing final fantasy. I played 10, didn't beat it. Uh, that was it until 14 for me. Um, and to me, like I, when I think of Final Fantasy from growing up, I think of it as more kind of a little pseudo sci-fi. Like I think of seven, ten, and even more recently, like the boy band driving around in the car with like modern-looking clothes. And so for me to see, like this this big tentpole numbered Final Fantasy release look more traditionally fantasy, like medieval, I'm really into it. Like I'm really, really into it. It just like the game looks so freaking gorgeous. It is very, very pretty. It's very, very pretty. And the attacks look great. I mean, it's all very spell effecty in that way, but uh, that's not really a complaint after Final Fantasy 14. Like, bring on the spell effects, bring on the, the shadow that's sort of like darkening around the explosion has really sold me to that look. I'm with you. I saw Final Fantasy 7 growing up and I went, well, well how do. What are robots doing finding a guy with a sword? This doesn't make sense. And it doesn't have to. It's fun. No, <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and, and I, and like, it looks refreshed. Like, I like the, the, the kind of clash of what's going on here between the look of the game and the, and the combat. Cause to me, as a Westerner, I look at like, you, you show me medieval, I'm expecting like slow bastard sword attacks. And we're going straight into really stylish, what I consider anime style fighting. And I'm just, I'm into it. I'm like, hell yeah. Like I was really, there's been a lot of rediscovering of things I enjoyed as a, as a kid and in my teens through my time spent with Final Fantasy 14. Cause I, uh, while I've watched a little bit of anime in my adult years, I really fell off from when I was a teenager and the same goes of some games. Like it, it reminded me that I used to love devil may cry. I didn't play any past three though, but one through three, I was really freaking into it because like, I had a PS2 all through high school. And so the Devil May Cry was my shit. Like I was so into those games. 
So looking at this and being like, oh, it's got this like more traditional fantasy aesthetic that I'm really freaking into. And it's it's going to have this like combo high action pace type of gameplay that I used to love from back in the PS2 era. Like I'm really poised to it's, 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 it's legitimately the first time I've ever looked forward to a Final Fantasy release. I agree. And it's it's. If you're on the outside about this game and, and you're like, well, I don't, I don't know, I've never played Final Fantasy. Like, it really is an evolution of what I wanted out of Inquisition or Mass Effect. But you do have to kind of make that then jump and say, and I'm going to embrace Devil May Cry Combat, which I loved five. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was campy. I thought it was slapstick. And I had a great, great time with it. My biggest complaint is I kept changing characters after I got really cool abilities because that's how the story went. Maybe you can replay it with, you know, selecting what character you want for what mission. But there were like three characters and you jump between them and it was kind of weird in that way. Mm, mm. Yeah, I'm seeing some people in chat like, oh, 10 wasn't a great place to start. I'm like, I, listen, I think I fell off of it because I just wasn't in the mood for a turn-based game at that point in my life. But that romance when I was a teenager, perfect. It couldn't have been more perfect. Yeah. I was super into it. Um, I, I wanted just... to kiss a girl in the lake too. Like, <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Like, it was perfect for me. And the whole ending up in another world, parental angst, like, uh-huh. it just, it all kind of, like, fell into place. And I didn't know any better. Like, you know, you could say, that, I... that's not a real Final Fantasy game, perhaps, but I didn't I didn't know. I and I didn't 14? own a PlayStation to find out otherwise. It was 14, maybe 15 when I got my PS2, and I got 10 with it. I got Spy Hunter and Final Fantasy X. Those Sweet. Were, Spy that Hunter. was my Christmas that year. It was a PS2. It was Final Fantasy X and Spy Hunter. And, like, I, I couldn't have been in a more perfect headspace for final fantasy 10 um and don't worry one of these days y'all y'all will see me beat this 10 is like the top of my the one that got away list like i it's my shame that i never beat 10 like i'm gonna go back at some point and i will stream it because we have found a lot of successful 14 and it would seem uh horrible to play 10 and not not share the experience so i think that's fair yeah i think that's fair we'll get there at some point at some Uh, point there's also like an element of where we were like blizzard creates games that you live and breathe and there's no time to take time off. You know, whether that's world of Warcraft and dailies or Starcraft and grinding out your rank or here's the storm and improving yourself and getting on a team and all that. Like when I launched a Dungeons and Dragons show, I announced it on my, here's the storm show. And there was very little crossover. And anytime I talk anime, people be like, Kyle, talk about here. And you know, in final fantasy, there's more, there's more tendrils out to those other areas of gaming, like anime, of course, but uh, that's, that seems like a pretty direct translation, but Dungeons & Dragons, other RPGs. So here there's that room for experimentation and enjoying that stuff, which, of course, makes it more available, but I really like these menus. Everything about this, I have a my, I have like three points in Devil May Cry combat. It's fine. It's serviceable to me. Combat is but the interaction. That's how I'm going to choose to solve your puzzles. Your puzzle is combat and the health bar. How are we solving the situation? I'm kind of sick of Assassin's Creed and even Witcher combat, so this feels fresh. But I love these menus. I love the talent system. I love the little video that's playing when you are about to select an ability, like in God of War hat. That's, that's, that's my jam. I don't want to guess. I don't, don't, don't give me guesswork. Show me exactly no. what I'm about to spend a resource on. No, well, I've got to go save and then I pick the ability and then I go try it out and I don't like it. So I have to reload or maybe you don't even have saves that work like that. Now I'm permanently stuck with something I'm never going to use. 
It's, yeah. Did, did you catch the, the article that got a lot of uh, play a little bit ago where you, it was an interview with Yoshi P? I'm recalling this. I don't have it in front of me. You just made me think of it where he said he, he never particularly enjoyed the term JRPG. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I was thinking about it because I like originally I, th- I think a lot of people were I got the vibe that folks that were sharing it or at least some of the headlines that were repurposing the story were trying to cast it in like a racism light. And I didn't, when I actually went and read the whole interview, I didn't get that at all. That like my interpretation of it was Yoshi P was saying that, uh, he didn't like it cause he felt like it was just like, it was like a blanket term, uh, that had a little disrespect with it, which I would like, I was like, that's an interesting, like, I never heard that, that some folks in, in like that were actually in the industry in Japan making these games were like, ah, we're, we're not into this term. But for like for like for the longest time, like here in, in in the West, like it was just how you described RPGs that came from Japan because they shared a lot of similar gameplay elements. Like for the longest time, it meant turn based. Like if I heard JRPG, I meant cool turn based. So at first, I thought it was a little strange. Like when I read that, and then like the more I've been watching Final Fantasy 16 trailers, like I'm like I really get it now because like that JRPG isn't the catch all it used to be. There's a lot of different ways that uh, Japanese role-playing games play now versus when we were growing up. And at least the stuff that got translated and brought over here to the States played a very similar way. It was a term of dismissal. And that was... It, it could have been. I don't think it was. Like, like not, to, like, not to invalidate anyone's feelings about it, but like to this, here in the States, it was just like, if your friend, you ask them, hey, are you into JRPG? You were just trying to get a, 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 an idea if they were into this genre of game. Right. But I can see from a development side when you have worked to combine thoughts from God of War. RPGs as we know them like Biowares and Choices and Talent Trees and all this. Yeah. And then someone's going to be like, oh, I don't play anime games. Yeah. Uh, you you probably wouldn't like that as a producer. That's probably a little frustrating to hear. And certainly there is more than enough YouTubers who and streamers and whatnot who would just straight up say, I don't play anime games. No matter how good they are, how good the voice casting has actually gotten, you know, a lot of that ties to Funimation and stuff growing up where you'd be like, wow, what the hell is this? Yeah, man. What did I <laughs> and load then you up? you watch it in Japanese, you're like, oh, there's oh a my, the other night I, here. The other night I couldn't sleep, so I queued up the first episode of Ronin Kenshin because I'm like, this is always an anime I wanted to see all the way through. The dub is awful. Holy shit. Like, I'm a dub guy. I like look at, I don't want to read when I look at anime, especially traditionally animated because I think it's so pretty. I just want to look at the animation. Um, but man, that's a rough dub. Um, so yeah, like, like I, I, I don't know. I, to, to to a certain point, like I, I, I'm, I err on the side of don't be too precious. I like just freaking, I know what you mean and I'm not taking offense from it, but, uh, it, it was, it is an interesting thing. Cause I've been thinking a bit more as these, these 16 trailers have come out. Cause I'm like, the term is kind of useless now for, for as growing up. I knew exactly what you meant. If you said JRPG, you say it now. I'm like, well, technically there's a lot of different styles of role-playing games that come from Japanese developers. Like a chat, like it's a good example. Someone's like Elden ring is a freaking role-playing game made by a Japanese studio. Is that a JRPG? Like, cause that's not what I think of. We have, and and now it has its own term. Like it has its own genre. We, we say Soulsborne. 
Which I'm not sure. Yeah. There's literally been only one Bloodborne game, so why don't we just say no, Souls? No, I think you know you just you just try to cover. But I hear Souls like. Yeah, you know, yeah. Well, I, I like Souls like better because I'm like there's only been one Bloodborne game. Or what's um, the, the the Metroidvania? That's another one that is a com- combination of two games, but we use that a lot too. Yes, yes. But you know, uh, uh, typically a higher skill, more punishing adventure game with backtracking mechanics. Um, the the souls the souls like games is a really interesting one because I have so much trust there. Like when you when FromSoft says, "Hey, check this out," and you see the trailer, they take the effort and time to show the sword swing across, and you know Sekiro dude you know bends down, does a little duck, and the sword just grazes over their head. And as an as an expert, you know, as an enjoyer of Souls games, you go, "You just communicated to me something." vastly important you just showed a movie trailer and and brought it back for me and said this is what it's gonna play like when i see all these other souls like games i just go i don't trust you to have that level of craftsmanship even if they do you know i used to be this way about dungeons and dragons i was like i'm only gonna buy official monster manuals because clearly wizards of the coast is the best at designing their game and gonna give me the most balanced experience that's entirely wrong (laughs) but it, it it's that trust you build with a company and I don't really have that with, you know, Final Fantasy games. So I didn't, I don't immediately grab onto things. Something that was portrayed in a very angry way going on was, you know, oh, I, I would prefer a, a turn-based experience. And people would go, well, there's plenty of games for you. Get out. You know, I'm going to enjoy this. I now get that. Like, it, because there are more than enough other experiences. And this does look like a crafted game that is grabbing onto those real-time combat things and exploring it well rather than using it as a gimmick. And from the outside, all this, when I see Final Fantasy VII remake footage, I'm like, oh, this is this is your gimmick. This is how you've changed it up so that someone would rebuy it, which is not the case either. But from the outside, you know, that's where my brain went three years ago. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's to, and, and I don't know. They also spent a good amount of time detailing how the game handles difficulty kind of based on what you're looking for. So it also doesn't look like it's going to be particularly hard to complete if you don't want to, uh, uh, quote unquote, get good son. Which I do, but also I like, uh, I like pauses on my block. So maybe I will turn that on just cause I find it so aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> I, I love the radio wheel kind of era where we had like a bunch of abilities and you sort of half pause and, and you sort of slow-mo while you selected on your controller the various abilities. I thought that was a great menu system because it was just so cinematic. Mm. It was very much in the post, you know, uh, I mean, prototype, of course, had it. So that's you and prototype. immediately reference. But I, I, I love prototype. A terrible story. Great gameplay, in my opinion. But it was very much post-Matrix. It was very much that post-Matrix kind of universe where we had a lot of slow-mo. But I love it in God of War 2018, too. They did the same thing where Kratos will do one, two, and then final attack is, oh, and there's no, he doesn't actually, like, you know, physically slow down while he's at the apex of his jump. It's just stylistically, he takes that little moment to go, ah, oh, before the slam. And that appeals to me. Mm. This does not have that in the combat, but it does seem like when you unleash combos maybe limit breaks or certain abilities it does the cinematic pause and i'm all for it chat room saying they do a similar thing in the final fantasy 7 remake that's still coming out right because they're doing it in like chunks that's the other part of it is yeah so i I didn't grow up with final fantasy 7 so like what's different and sephiroth is like changing the timeline like from the outside it's very much like 
for the hardcores, and I'd, I'd have to like really live and breathe it. I mean, it just looks pretty. I, uh, it does look pretty. I eventually, yeah, it does would like pretty. to play it, but I also know it's extremely long. <laughs> yeah, well, they made it even longer. I yeah. think. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I guess I'm going to play Final Fantasy 16, Kyle. I mean, it, it, yeah, yeah. There's, of course, you know, the, that it's uh, exclusive to the PlayStation. Um, I've heard many people say I'm not buying a PlayStation for one game, and I did, but now I'm enjoying lots and lots of games on it. Uh, I love Bloodborne. I've been loving God of War. I've got Last of Us, the you know, remastered kind of version. Like, my PlayStation gets a lot of use, and I bought it in advance of Final Fantasy 16 here. Yeah, like I, I still think of myself more as an Xbox fanboy, but I use my PS5 way more. Way more. It's all oh, the pausing. It's I, that's probably a feature on all consoles these days, but I haven't had a modern console for years. I mean, it's like my computer, you know, <laughs> no, that is the the resume, like the, the suspended resume features on both uh, PS5 and Xbox uh, are are a new thing for this generation of console. And it is awesome. It's amazing. I'm playing like in Persona 5. I play it on computer and I just hate it, you know, because I. Hire it up, see the things, see the cinematics, see the, oh, the menus. Like, I wish I had gotten on Switch so I could just put it in my pocket kind of thing. But also, now that I have a PlayStation, I'm like, okay, uh, that Bloodborne pull was enough. Let me just pause, and I'll just be right there. You know, I don't have to go back to a checkpoint. I don't have to save. I could just kind of let it linger right there. You know, probably power bills or something like that aren't the best for it. You know, I'm sure it's still alive. But... I leave my things plugged in. I don't unplug my things when I'm done with them. Uh, you know, I live, I live large like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll usually shut down and unplug if I'm gone for a long period of time because of the prevalence yes. of power surges in the state of Florida. Oh, is that a thing in Florida? All the lightning. Little, oh, little, little, that makes little, sense. little, you know, power surges and power outages are really, really common here. I'm a I'm a I'm a surge protector fiend. I always make sure everything's got a little one of those old. Yeah, but it'll still there. you'll still lose power to like your PS5, and then when you boot it up, it'll be all pissed at you and give you a message mm. and be like, "Please use your power settings to power out the PlayStation." And it's just annoying. So you didn't I'm, say love you before going to bed. Exactly. Like, I know. Exactly. I know. Make sure you kiss your PlayStation on the forehead before you power it off. It knows. It knows. Yeah, that's why yeah. it's got that. That's got that open space right there. You know, it's got the black come down and the kind of the Kaiba code opens up, and you're supposed to give it a little kiss <laughs> every night before bed, right there. A little sensor right there that glows orange when it's resting. <laughs> Jesus. Give just a little kiss on your way to bed. All right. Well, let's talk about what uh, you've been playing, because I, I really have nothing new. <laughs> nothing new this week. Uh, Drogon wrote in and wanted to know, Kyle, uh, curious how your Warhammer 3 campaign is going. I think you mentioned on the podcast you were conquering for the chaos god of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Are you doing a Realm of Chaos or a Mortal Empires campaign? Uh, Realm of Chaos is the new one. So I'm doing that one because I'm playing it on Game Pass and I don't have all my DLCs, which it comes and goes, right? So I will, I will quickly mention my other game I played a lot of this weekend, which was Hot Wheels Unleashed with my son. <laughs> 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 which came with all the DLCs. So I got Demo Derby and all the monster trucks. I got this- all... I like. Game is cool as shit. Uh, I play this over at my cousin's house, and it is so much better than it has any right to be. It is. It it's um, it's 
subtle. It's more like, well, it's more like Chocobo Racing is one of them, but um, there's no items. You just have a boost bar that builds and choosing when to do your boost is kind of your expertise in the room. There's drifting. It's not like Mario Kart drifting where you go faster after it. It's more it's more like break on your turns, kind of like you would have with a one of those arcade NASCAR kind of things. You know, don't if you just go full force in a turn, you're just going to hit the wall and lose all your momentum. So it's more realistic while also being tiny, like uh, the tracks. You can build your own tracks for one, which is kind of neat. I haven't done it. It's, it looks really complicated. It's more complicated than doing like Roller Coaster Tycoon, where it just kind of it's on a it, you set the start and then you kind of weave through. No, it's like a whole thing. But you're tiny, you're a little, you're a little, you know, toy car, a little Hot Wheels, and they have all of them, you know, they have Twin Mill and, and uh, uh, Bone Shaker and Race Ace and all the Hot Wheels that you might know from your childhood or if you have a child. And it's a, it's, it's a feast of the eyes. It's very pretty. And, you know, you race under chairs and stuff because you're accurately sized. There's a Batman expansion. I bring it up because that came with all the DLC on Game Pass. All of it. It was just like, hey, here you go. Game. There you are. I really struggled to start up Total War Warhammer 3 because there was this like my Windows account login didn't like that. My game account login was the same, but I did them in the wrong order. So I had to log out of Windows and Game Pass, restart, log back in all of them, and I could finally download it. But it comes with zero DLC. So on Steam, I own a bunch of factions. I don't get them. In this game, because it's like linear, one, two, feeds factions into, if you own them, three. So mm. uh, Game Workshop has always had kind of questionable business practices in that way. <laughs> they're, they're a little money grubby, unless you like it. And then it's fine because you're spending money and you get what you want out of it. Like, it's going to cost you 20 bucks for Tomb Kings. I love Tomb Kings. I love playing as a bunch of Egyptian pharaohs trying to conquer the world with death. Awesome. I don't. I don't hear that enough from people. I I, I like it when you just own up to it. You're just like, yeah, it's not the best, but I like it. So I spend my, like that's how I am. I used to be with Gran Turismo. Like I hate their business practices, but I love their game. So just be like, yeah, I'll just right. buy a car. Screw it. No one's forcing me to pay that money, and I'm not going to leave them a bad review because when I want a faction, I get my twenty bucks out of it, a hundred percent. Now, would I love to fart off and try Chaos Dwarves, even though I don't really find them interesting and bizarre, frankly? Um, yeah, that'd be fun, but I'll live. I'll be okay. So I started up as, uh, let's see here. It was, uh, corn, uh, the corn. band. No, no, <laughs> corn. It's like, uh, it's like corn. <laughs> he's like, he's a great demon. He's the skull for the skull throne, blood for the blood God kind of guy. Mm, okay. And he's super OP. He's a great starting point, but I was kind of bored with the units. And so I started experimenting around. I started, uh, I tried the Nurgles. And the Nurgles were, uh, they, they were kind of fun. They're like pestilence, but their main guy is like a big vomity poison maker dude flying in a, you know, in a hut chair. He's like Jabba the Hutt. But if Jabba the Hutt had a big stomach, a big mouth where his stomach was and it, you know, laughed and stuff. So I, I just kept trying it. And I actually landed on, and I didn't expect I would like them. I landed on the Cenobites, basically. And they have a pain for pleasure kind of thing going on. What are on. they called, called in game? Or are they actually called Sandblades? Uh, Slanesh. Ah, Slanesh. Okay. So they are, uh, you know, when Cenobites, you know, I have such exquisite sights to show you in those Hellraiser movies. It's very much that vibe where you are an embodiment of pleasure and you have great, and like the, the mechanics of it are awesome. 
because you just trump about as this horrible crab beast. But anytime anyone sees you, they start to become infatuated by you and you basically get free diplomacy as you play the game. Every time you pass like a humanoid faction, they'll be like, oh, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I can't wait to be a part of your orgy. And I, like, I yeah, find that so weird because they're, they're very disturbing looking. Well, it's it's like an illusion, you know, like um, like a a beautiful. This happens in games and movies, you know. It's a beautiful uh, visage, but underneath they're corrupt and rotten. Ah, uh, okay. You know, kind of like uh, a mask. You know, when you have a mask on, then you take it off, and you're actually hideous looking. It it's it's that kind of atmosphere. The the perfumes that permeate the battlefield are so intoxicating. So when you uh, actually uh, uh, Mortal Kombat fan, the Molina effect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lots of different properties have this, but I immediately think of Hellraiser. Mm. So you walk they're, around. They're, they, oh, they don't look beautiful. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> they but look you know, freaking horrifying. Pain for pleasure. Uh, Some forty-one, right? Oh, thank. Oh, thank you for putting it into terms my pump, pop punk ass can. There can you go. Digest. I appreciate it. So it's it's highly different than anything I've ever played in Total War, which has been very army based, and I've experiment with diplomacy very very little because i always play the monsters so no one really wants to interact with me you know i'm raising dead all the time i'm corrupting blah 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 and they're like yeah we don't want diplomacy but this is really fun because you're this horrible monster and you just get free diplomacy everywhere you go everybody loves you except for the the chaos demons they can see through <laughs> your illusion so i sit back with my entirely sexy army basically managing orgy parties at my core building is my like is my main source of management is like what kind of party are you gonna throw this weekend? I'm like, mm, let me scroll through the options. That is ridiculous. Oh, yes. Like Conan, you know, Conan had that wonderful scene too with uh, you know uh, James Earl Jones turning into a snake. And it, it's a blast. It's the first time since Kid Two was born that I stayed up till three a.m. and I had no idea what time it was. Uh, everyone was in bed by ten, and I just lost track of time. I probably do a hardcore game like five hours. That's not really like, oh, it was, in my position at the moment, five hours losing track of that. That took some recovery time. I'm still recovering from staying up till 3 a.m. on purpose. It was, uh, it was delightful. Absolutely delightful. I missed my first chaos gate, so I got to restart the whole thing because I want to see what's in there. Uh, but yeah, I like that. I like the slanesh. Very cool. Yeah. I, 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 my, Understanding of Warhammer is extremely surface level. I, uh, we had, um, I called them our, our, our COVID friends. Uh, we had uh, another couple that we were already friends with uh, that also worked from home. And they were the only people we saw during proper pandemic. And uh, uh, our mutual friend, Ben, was one of them. And he, he, got a, he was like, I'm going to get a bunch of minis uh, and teach you all how to paint Warhammer minis. Because it was something Katie was always interested in. Um, anytime I would go to the local game shop when I was big into magic, she's like, man, this looks fun. I want to paint these little things. Um, so, uh, I, I understand the reference to Nurgle because I painted quite a few plague Marines in my time. Sure. But yeah, that's, I, that's it. That's pretty much all I know. And there's a tide, but that's Sigmar. There's also a really fun faction. I started up called the demon prince or Damon Prince, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but it's the it's the Chaos faction. And your leader doesn't get gear. Okay. He instead transforms based on which of the various god factions you're pursuing. So if you set your army to, like, worship Nurgle, your Demon Prince can start to get pustules on him. And, and like, all his, 
his arms are all trade outable, his tail's trade outable, and his wings are different. And like, depending how you build him, your main hero is going to evolve and change, which is something I always really enjoy. And I think it's a great <laughs> use of assets too, because it's like the in between faction. It, it allows you to pull from all the various factions they added in Warhammer 3 here and put them under one banner. Interesting. So, uh, can we? This is Game Pass, yeah? Yeah, it's Game Pass. If I installed it, could we do anything to get there? Or is it just it, PvP? It is a it is a civilization style game, uh, top down. So, how many hours you got? Right? Like it's, <laughs> it's really based on one of those. So, if I have a Saturday, I can't sleep, and I text my buddy Kyle, and I'm like, "Hey, you want to conquer the universe together? Is that something we could do?" It's not in that amount of time. No, no. Like a, a six hour game. Uh, session sorry. Pick you. up and continue conquering yeah, yeah, the galaxy okay. together. Yeah. There's, there's a, yeah, the, the battle. So you have two systems. You basically play civs from top down and that's your world map. Very and cool. then when you engage in a battle, if it's completely one-sided, you just say autocomplete. Oh, so it's a total battle. war game. Yeah, it's it's yeah, a total they, war game. You're describing yeah, so a total you, war game. You just smash. But then if it's like a oh, slight defeat, I'm like, Okay, let me get in there and control everybody and make sure my flyers don't be dumb out there and just get themselves killed and uh-huh. which I always do and I hate flyers. I'm just bad at managing. Them. <laughs> that the was only- me and Calvary. I was really into Empire Total War for a while. I was like, I swear to what? God, Calvary, if you run yourself straight into some pikemen, I'm gonna be so pissed. Yes, yes, the anti-large, anti-mounted combat ones are are rough to deal with. I I've only ever beaten the game with lizard folk because I just have a bunch of. They're, they're not called Carnotauruses, but they're the Carnosaurs. You know, they, they have the little horns, right? They're little T-Rexes with little horns. And the Lizardmen all ride them. I got Triceratopses. And I play this game like Protoss. I don't want any lesser units. I want nothing but Juggernauts. And I love the sort of Sauron swinging his mace feel of having the big guy in there. As people go, ah, ah, and, and get thrown about. It does mean, however, that there are limits to the factions in this game things are always going to be pretty humanoid for the most part and you can really kind of notice the skeletal structure repeating as can you not like play tyranids or anything no well tyranids tyranids would be completely op those are from 40k and they are a universe galaxy spanning faction are you not this is not 40k no this is age of sigmar i think Uh, this is the more medieval oh this whole time i assumed it was 40k I could see the confusion because, like, the Chaos Knights, Chaos Marines, like, it, it kind of... And Nurgle, like Nurgle in is in both, I believe. Um, yeah, so there are those factions that uh, transcend and uh, move between the various properties, but I would... Oh, dude. I'd be so into Tyranids. The, if you search, why aren't Tyranids in Google, you get the answer I just gave you. I just regurgitated it for you. Because they're a space-faring grace of madness. Oh shit, this is no way. I don't know why I just, I never, I didn't look it up because I was like, I I don't have time to play this. Although now you're really getting me into this. Um, Give it a, like, give it a shot. Like, I mean, I went five hours and I had a good time. Because this is a Sigmar house. Katie got really into painting minis uh, during 2020 and uh, she, is it the, what are the, who are the lizard men? The skinks. I think they're called lizard men. Oh yeah, yeah. Skinks. She got really into skinks. She has like, I think 40 some odd painted skinks. They look great too. She got really good with airbrushing. They all have these wonderful little like gradients, like from like pink to blue. And then she got in there and some point I'll, I'll do a show and tell I'm I'm so proud of (laughs) Katie's work. I want to show it (laughs) off. But, um, 
Yeah, I preferred painting 40K, so I didn't stick it with it. I still have, have like a whole unpainted orc army. So I'm like, I'm going to do this with you. And then I started and I'm like, I don't like this as much as painting Plague Marines. <laughs> I yeah, just no, stopped. I, 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 skinks are great. They they have like low cost. Um, you know, they're they're solid for like overwhelming. But and I love Zerg and Starcraft, but I could not play these games like that. I need one Triceratops fighting 50 guys, not 50 guys talk, fighting one Triceratops. Mm. And I don't think I would purchase Slanesh, or and there's also a reason why I'm not showing Slanesh game footage right now to the audience because it's a lot of nipples out kind of stuff. You know, they're they're all pain for pleasure. You got your nipples out. Oh, there's just straight nudity. Okay, I, to an extent, right? Like you know, some of them have like one one bra cup on, but you know, sometimes the other one's chilling. Okay, all right. Yeah, it, it, it's it's mature. I have no mature. idea what the rules are for streaming something like this. By the way, now I'm just curious. Oh, for like nudity or if yeah, you're streaming violence. a game on YouTube with nudity, like, are you in trouble? Didn't God of War have a booby in it? Uh, but I mean, the original Classic trilogy had a, yeah. just a ton. It was just lousy with nudity. Um, yeah, but did God of War 2018 have any? Boobies? I don't think it did. Yeah, I don't think 2018 did. I mean, you could just like not zoom in and not play them i guess probably get by <laughs> but you know they're also yelling blood for the blood god and you know well, but wait, hold on isn't there a, a blood dlc for it is can you turn on or off the nudity yes yeah so i told you about that last time yeah do they have that but they don't have a nudity filter that seems I, odd I, I i don't know when it comes to the slanesh i think they might be mostly covered but then huh. again okay interesting Anyway. Like he, he, here's the, here's the main guy. Here's the main guy. Like he's got he's got lots of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. I've got a Google he's image. Got lots of stuff going on. I've got an image tab open right now, and the Slanesh are uh, 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 visually interesting. Let's just they're say. fun. They're fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was not familiar with them at all. Um, spent a decent amount of time looking at all of the the Sigmar factions when I was when I wanted to uh, join Katie in her in her painting hobby. Um, but I, I definitely prefer painting 40k megs minis. I love, yeah, I would love the Tyranid so much. I love biomass, the the harvesting of biomass kind of thing. I'm really into that, so I would I would play the heck out of them. But yeah, all every every Reddit, everything I read about it was like they're not allowed. They're too powerful. Okay, fine. <laughs> Keep your secrets. Yeah, fine. All right, and I I have no doubt that this game would be absolutely amazing. Kislev, the main kind of human faction that participates and fights all the monsters. It's not my dream, but if being the only paladin in a room full of monsters gets you going, I bet that story's incredible. I bet that's a great way to play. I do, I do, I, 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 I do love a classic paladin. Yeah. Just give me, give me a, a, some holy power and some cool armor and let's go. Mm. You're making me want to play this. Anyway, before you sell me on another game to steal away hours of my life, let's uh, let's take some questions on this here podcast besides uh, that one that's catered to you. Oh, of course. Hello there. Hello there. Hello there. All today's questions came from our members only chat. Thank you to our patrons and our YouTube members. Uh, we're going to start with a question catered to me from Darkman, who asks, Garrett, we know you love bourbon, but have you ever tried Japanese whiskeys? If so, thoughts? I have, but only the cheap ones. Because uh, there's a couple cocktails I really, really like. 
with uh with Japanese whiskey in it. So it's uh I haven't made it in a while, so I'm actually blanking. I was like, I got this, and now I'm totally forgetting. Uh uh Japanese whiskey, what's the norm? What what's like the normy ass? Uh oh, Centauri. We always have a bottle of Centauri on the bar. Um, there's a drink with, I believe it's like a black tea, uh, syrup called the Kododama. Uh, it's a cocktail that is freaking delicious and it calls for Suntory. So yes, I have had it. I haven't had a lot of the, uh, higher end stuff though. Um, I don't have a, a deep experience with Japanese whiskeys. My thoughts are that the ones I've tried all taste like pretty damn good scotch. A really similar flavor profile to scotch. Kyle, have you ever had Japanese whiskey? Maybe this question isn't just tailored to me. Ah, uh, so uh, my brother-in-law was stationed in Japan and they sent me Hibiki, was it? Oh, yeah. Hibiki is not cheap, I believe. And Chad so is that, recommending it right now. That's the one I've tried and I have no frame of reference. So it, it tasted like hard work. For somebody who doesn't drink much, <laughs> I, I believe they have a lot of different kinds too. Because because Centauri is the same way. Like the normal Centauri is like forty bucks, but they have like multiple hundred dollar bottles. If you want to go, excuse me, I'm I'm hiccuping. Oh, and it looks like Hibiki is the same way too. Because the first thing that comes up is a bottle for ten thousand dollars on some website somewhere. Wow! It comes in looks like a wooden box. Cool. Yeah. Where's what's a standard ass Hibiki? Um, what's their what's their like normal? This happens to like any kind of whiskey. You have like your your standard whiskeys, and then you get sure, into your yeah. then you get into your small batches. Then you get into your single barrels. Mm-hmm. Your DLCs, yeah, like sixty bucks for a standard Hibiki. Okay, yeah, that would be. I mean, that's what I would. I call that solid gift tier. Is what I would say. That means you like someone. Yeah, you like the purse. Yeah, you're not just. Yeah, it's not a gift to to placate to. To keep the holiday spirit alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I appreciate a thirty dollar bottle gift. Uh, I I I think you really like me if it's sixty or above. Mm. When I'm gifted a bottle of something, I'm like, ooh, oh, thank you. Because for me, Kyle, I, 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 you don't do a lot of drinking, but um, we do, <laughs> and uh, we have a pretty decent sized bar. So my, my pain point is above $40. If a bottle is above $40, I start to get real sad if it starts to get low. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's it. That's it. We, we call it the, the painful bottles when we're, when we start to get low and we're, we know we're going to do like, we're going to host like a cocktail party. We're like, Oh no, the chartreuse is low. That's a painful one. <laughs> that's a painful one. When the chartreuse is like low magic spells. Ah, oh, dude. Yeah, I mean, it does look like a magical elixir. They are like day glow colors. They're made by Carthusian monks uh, that have a vow of silence. And no one knows how they make this stuff. And they recently announced they're going to be making less of it. So the price of chartreuse is going through the freaking roof right now. Oh, smart. Yeah, yeah. It's delicious. And some of my favorite cocktails are made with it. And oh, anyway. Um, I'll have to try some more Japanese whiskey. Maybe I'll pick up a bottle of Hibiki when I'm out this weekend and uh, report back. Sonic Rose asks, what is your favorite movie or video game soundtrack and why? Uh, would you like to start, Kyle? Sure. Let's do movie first. What's your favorite movie soundtrack? I think it's Pacific Rim. Ooh. It's not my favorite movie ever, but I love 
when it's just going and like particularly it's the like track when well yeah and, and they're like when they do the the camera pan across all the robots and it like goes vaguely russian when you pass the russian one oh go and then you go by i think it was the chinese bot and like it just like while well, you go by all the robots that they riff on it and it was such a cool soundtrack one of my main like work anthems getting me through Friday when I did data entry. Uh, yeah, I would just put it on repeat. Ah, this is see, this is why we're friends. We we disagree on so much shit, but there's like there are a few touchstones of things that we absolutely agree on that that really make me like you. And because <laughs> so many of my friends hate Pacific Rim and I'm like, you missed the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they came oh, in it's with got, their, it's got problems with their logic sure. hats on, and I'm just like, no, yeah. Pacific Rim is a, a an absolute darling of a film. I love the first Pacific Rim. The sequel is an absolute sin against mankind. Uh, but the first Pacific Rim is awesome. Yeah, there are movies you do that with. Like, I, you know, honestly, to its credit, I found myself doing that with Mando. I was like, you know what? I'll put away logic for you. That's okay. I'm looking forward to talking to you about it because yeah. I've, I've got some gripes with season three of Mandalorian. But I, But every time I was in it, I was still having fun. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. It was like afterwards, I got, I got post grumpy, but then every time I'm in it, I'm like, I'm back on my shit. I love star Wars. Let's go. I got, like, yeah, I got some real grumps on Pacific Rim. Like there are just some bizarre choices throughout that thing, but man, that soundtrack. It is so aesthetically pleasing. It is, it is, I think the, the best visual representation of, of like Kaiju and mech in film, like no one's done it that good or done it that good since. Yeah. They really nailed the weight and inertia and mass of things that are that large being the shit out of each other in a city. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, It just just scratches a a childhood fantasy for me. I'm going to go with Tron Legacy as my favorite film score ever. Kind of cheating because it's Daft Punk, but it's a very specific type of Daft Punk. That's what I was going to ask. Is it for the film parts or the Daft Punk parts? Because there is like two soundtracks at war in that movie. It's, I mean, the majority, the, the whole score is Daft Punk. Did they do the whole thing? They did the whole thing. The whole score huh. is Daft Punk. I remember, I've only seen it once, so I remember being like, oh, that's Daft Punk. And then other parts being like, this sounds like Audio Machine or some sort of, you know, you bought the track off, off the internet. Yeah. If I'm being particularly specific here, I actually prefer the remix de-rezzed album of that, of that soundtrack. Hmm. You can get the Tron Legacy soundtrack, and it's it's the whole score. But there's a there's Tron Legacy derezzed, and I actually prefer the the remix. It's what was the good? What was the name of their last album? Uh shoot! Because you know you got the old Around the World. It was that Get Lucky song. I really like that song. Yeah, um, it's a good song. Uh, Def, I mean, Daft Punk are freaking legends. Yeah. Um, but their, their final album was, was it random access memories? Was it that? Oh my God. Is it that old? Jesus. Wow. 2013. It's been 10 years. Really? Oof. Oh, no Oof. way. I just aged, uh, 10 years. <laughs> oh my God. You're right. Yeah. Tron legacy was in 2010. Yeah. It was, wow, I think they've been out was, of the game for a while. I think that was one of the first movies Katie and I went and watched together when we moved in together. And we moved in together in 2011. Because it came out at the end of 2010. And I don't think I saw it until after the new year. 
Because there was like no one in the theater. It had been oh, out for a Oh, man. Yeah, I was, I was big into... I really wanted a talk box. Isn't that what they're called? The talk boxes? I really wanted one of those. The talk box? Yeah. Yeah, a talk yeah, box the, is a the thing. tube that goes in your mouth. Yep. They're cool as shit. Uh, yeah. Weird as hell. Um, not used in any music I've really listened to outside of Daft Punk. There's that. I, I, uh, throw some shade. I, I, uh, not, who is it? Uh, Bon Jovi. I hate Bon Jovi. They use it in some of their songs. <laughs> Wait, but Bon Jovi. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. You know, oh, bon, well, living the, on a living on a prayer woo, is Bon Jovi. Woo, doo, yeah. doo, doo, woo, woo. That's a talk box, wow, right? Wow, wow. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes, I think there's also some wah wah pedal in there, which has nothing to do with it. That's a, that's a guitar effect, but yeah. Sure, sure. Oh man, yeah. No, Daft Punk was. Uh, I mean, granted, we grew up with like um, work it, make it, do it, make us all yes. that kind of business. Yes. Or, uh, oh, that shit. Oh my god, it, dude. Or, or, yeah, it was the only time uh, I wasn't disappointed by the music that was put on by someone else in my art class when I went to art college. Um, cause I, <laughs> I, you know, I got that freshman year. I'm still on my pump punk shit and everyone's like putting in Bjork, which I'm sorry. I can't do it. I can't do Bjork. It was the first time I ever heard Bjork. Bjork? I was like, how does anyone listen Weird. to this? Um, and, and there was just no, just absolute disrespect for everything I listened to. And then, uh, about twice a week, someone would drop in Daft Punk and I was like, thank God, something I can listen to. <laughs> it was, it was, it was the one, freaking like common ground with me and my, sure. my fellow art students. Oh, we also had that. Uh, it wasn't who did the, the push me and then just touch me until and satisfaction is the name of the song. I have no idea. Status. And all the, all the ladies were using power drills or something. So they like vibrated a lot in the music video. Was that a bloodhound gang song? No, I don't think it was a bloodhound gang song. I've, Cause they have a, they have a music video exactly like what you just described. <laughs> Um, I mean, all their music videos were horribly horny in a sophomoric yeah. way. That was just ridiculous. Um, I, the other night, uh, I noticed that for, I don't know when this happened. Um, freaking, what was it? Weapon of choice. The, the music video with, with, uh, Christopher Walken, it's been remastered off the film and re-uploaded on YouTube in 4k and it's beautiful. And I had that on and afterwards freaking bloodhound gang came on and I suddenly was reminded of their, their ridiculous music videos. Wait, do you talk about walk without rhythm? The, the one with the Dune reference is a fat boy slim, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 There's a whole middle part where they just reference Dune for some reason. Dude. Oh, I, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, with, with Christopher Watkins, he's easy to walk without rhythm and you won't attract the word. Oh, you're right. Walk oh without rhythm. Yeah. God. It's, a, it's a Dune reference. It is a Dune reference. Holy shit. Yeah. No. Okay. I'm not crazy. The song is called Weapon of Choice. Yeah. Weapon me, of Choice. That's it. Yeah. 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 To me, that is the greatest music video ever made. It's pretty good. Like, I, I think that is one of the most iconic music videos of all time. It's just freaking wonderful. It also cements the fact that Christopher Walken has always looked old to me. <laughs> Because he shows up in that show I'm trying to get you to watch called Severance. Ah. And dude just looks the same. Huh. Dude has just been frozen in, in the age he has looked since the 90s. Huh. It's like they just hit the pause button. Better, good for him. Better cosmetics got better. I don't know. Maybe lotion technology improved. Lotion technology. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and then I think we, 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 have, we definitely uh, are a circle on a Venn diagram for our favorite video game soundtrack. Oh, I saw you wrote. Yeah, okay, you yeah. wrote it too. Yeah, I dude, I love the FTL soundtrack. Oh, it's so good. It 
it is the opposite of the game. It the the soundtrack makes me so relaxed. The game stresses me the shit. <laughs> I love FTL, but it the, the the final boss is just not fun. No, it's so hard to it's it's easy to mess up your build and just get owned by the final yep. boss. Yeah, and just get even by like sector five or whatever. If you don't have enough shields, I just want a mode that doesn't up. have the boss. Like, just let me have a mode that's just like endless running through space let me just keep huh? jumping and just go and go and keep kidding out and you mean into the breach yeah but i want the spaceship i like into the yeah. breach but F- the spaceship of ftl i think is more fun i love rockman that's my favorite doom, 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 doom. it just gets yep. down rockman oh, yeah. it it all made it like uh, like pacific rim it maintains that through line and when you riff on it mm, mm, that's good into the breach is a better overall game. FTL is more fun in specific aspects for me. That's, that's kind of how I like into the breach is definitely the better game overall. It's a better overall package and it's more fun. And uh, I think more thought out in terms of, of being this kind of endlessly playable experience, but until that final boss, I'd rather play FTL. I can't think of a single game that gives me the star Trek divert power to the shields feel that i want to there have. isn't and i played the star trek mmo for quite a while did you oh i didn't know you yeah. played that. oh yeah i was really into it i was really huh. into it uh, i had a i had a buddy in college and he was one of my few friends that moved out to los angeles while i was living there and he's uh, still to this day the biggest trekkie i i will ever know um and uh, the you know the new abrams movie came out and he took that as his excuse to finally make me watch uh wrath of khan which is that was the first time i ever saw wrath of khan and i was like shit this movie rules that's a good and then the star trek mmo came out and i was like all right all right i'll play this with you and i played it for like a good year plus like it was it was a fun game it was a fun game yeah it was was a little rough around the edges but i I had a good time with it but ftl it was not ftl absolutely does a way better job of scratching that that starship captain itch um, but my other answer uh, besides FTL is I think the, the video game soundtrack I have listened to the most is Halo 3. What's different about Halo 3? I've never heard it. I've never played it. It's, I've never played Halo 3. I, it's a little less corny is the way I would put it. I corny. love I love the I love Steve Vai. He's a very famous and accomplished guitarist, but he is all over Halo 2's soundtrack like a pox. And it, it gives us this kind of <laughs> X Games Mountain Dew vibe. That makes it a little less timeless for me. Um, whereas Halo 3 is mostly score. And it's to me, it's like def- definitively what Halo should sound like. It was like they actually got real instruments and orchestra and didn't get too corny with it. Like, it's just a really solid score. Um, and I Wait. used... What? Wait, Halo 2 had Incubus songs in it? Yes. Okay. All right, hang on. I don't think did, they did, were in the game, but I think they were on the soundtrack. Oh, okay. Because I'm I'm a little confused all of a sudden because I thought Incubus was like hardcore, but now I went by their Spotify page. Jesus, and it's like, no, no, they're not. No, okay. they did drive, but, man. But Incubus, an Incubus is the a, name is, a male is way Incubus. more. I think they've yeah. even said in interviews they're like, yeah, we kind of regret our name. Because <laughs> like, like I opened the page and I've got like five dads staring at me, and I'm like, wait, hang no, on. Like, Incu- it's kind of a kiss. Incubus was the kiss. band you listened to because cute girls listened to it. 
That's why I learned to play guitar. Is Same. To, That's yeah. why I know how to play almost in all of Enema of the State because, like, I was like, I'm going to impress girls that like pop punk with this. Um, so what's Drive? Drive has, like, a million. Drive is 300 the, million you know, it just, ju- it, like, can you play it without playing it on stream? You just listen to the, the first, like, two chords. You will know the song. I'm not prepared for that now. Can, can you can you do it for me? Can you riff it? Uh, oh, oh, you, I, you have up. a guitar. Hold up. Yeah, do it. Hold on. Get yourself unhooked. It's going to be such a long podcast. Hook me up. Yeah. Hook me up. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. All right. All right. We're going to get answers. Oh, freaking hell. I thought they were like, I just assumed they were like disturbed or any of those. Or... I am not. No, they're, they're not new metal. Um, yeah. Let's see. I actually, because I recorded a guitar track for the, Anger chicken send off. I do have a microphone against my amp right now. So, oh, yeah. Oh, you hear that? Uh huh. Let's see. Oh, no. What's going on? Why am I not getting the sound? Oh, I, I hear it. I hear it on my end. Is that too loud? A little. A little bit. A little loud. Okay. Bring it down. Bring it down. How's that? Hey, that sounds pretty good. Okay. Let's see. I have not played this song since high school. I don't know if I remember it, but it's the one that goes like. Wow, yeah, I do not remember this. <laughs> I'm feeling it. Also, I'm okay. fighting with my armrest, but that's sure. that's that's the okay. riff. That's okay. that's yeah. the drive riff. Yeah. I sound like shit, but that's no, it. thank you. Thank yeah. you. That was authentic. You, you want Californication, I, I still remember that one. Uh but uh, that's I don't think that's them. That's yeah. Red Hot Jelly Peppers, yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. But well, let's uh mute that again and uh, I'll just finish this out with a guitar in my lap chill yeah that's that's incubus they're extremely like easy alternative rock um type of stuff i used to be really into incubus um i like i like their stuff i haven't listened i can't remember the last time i listened to incubus but uh used to be really into them um yeah so that that would be it kyle oh and i now hear katie on a meeting and i just freaking turn my guitar amp on so <laughs> oh yeah yeah, she's probably like, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> you know, he, he's, he's a professional. He's professional. A request was made and he fulfilled. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, sometimes you got to get creative so you don't get demonetized. Exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, so, why you, that's why you play, that's why it was of the quality. You didn't want to play it too well. Oh, oh yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, I, I'm fairly certain it's an acoustic anyway, so we're probably a little off on the tone. <laughs> a little, probably a little, a little off on the tone. And I, if I remember correctly, I think that dude used to play Paul Reed Smith guitars, which are wicked expensive. Um, and I, I don't like the way they look, but they're very pricey. Hmm. Anywho, this has been Garrett remembers useless music facts fever dream. Um, I hope you all enjoy. Well, then I'll press this. <laughs> Yes, that brings us to the end of the show. We want to thank our wonderful, badass patrons for supporting us on Patreon. Um, if you want to support everything that Kyle and I are making together, be it this podcast, our videos, our streams, or all of the above, check out supportourbromance.com for all sorts of perks, like a version of this show that doesn't have the lengthy Patreon ad read in it. You'll also get bonus episodes that we put together. We'll be doing our spoiler cast for Mandalorian Season 3. Uh, very soon, it'll be up this weekend. And uh, we're planning multiple anime spoiler casts. So we'll probably be doing a uh, Spy X Family Season 1 one very soon. We know it's not timely, but I just finished it and Kyle's already seen it. So 
we want to have a chat about it. So if that sounds good to you, check out supportourbromance.com and uh, reap the benefits. And also we want to thank our most recent patrons, starting with some call me Kima. I want to thank Arsenic, who doubled their pledge. Thank you for the raise, boss. Jam Tibbles. I recognize that name. Jam Tibbles. Nice. Welcome. And thanks Welcome. for the support, dude. Alicia, thank you for your support. And Andrew M. Thanks for heading on over to supportourbromance.com and becoming a patron. Really appreciate it. And there's a special level of patrons. We thank each and every episode. Those are our legendary level backers. Sean B., Mike R., Stephen J., Das, Cheesy Bob, and Sean with an E-A-B. Thank you very much. If you want to get thanked each and every episode, info on legendary backing is over at supportourbromance.com. But other than that, you can find us on Twitter. Kyle's at Kyle Ferguson. I am at Garrett Art. And we have a joint account at Garrett and Kyle. Uh, go give those all a follow. Other than that, everything we do is on YouTube, including the live stream for this podcast. So go to youtube.com slash TV or just search for Grinding Gear on YouTube. You'll find us. Our faces are literally plastered all over the place. You want to see uh, Kyle with anime glasses on doing the, the Evangelion reflection thing? Uh, that's our most recent thumbnail. You'll you'll see us. You'll see us. Unless you only ever listen to us and then you'll be like, that doesn't help. I don't know what you look like. In which case, please tweet at me and let me know what you think I look like because I'm always amused by that. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Grinding Gear Podcast. Until next time, GG. Take care. <laughs>